Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, The Game of Thrones, Season 2, Episode 2, The Nightlands. And here we are, two guys that I bet, I mean, we can't deny the fact that both of us will probably fart when we die. Right, Joe? You think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big. As I'm dying after I'm dead for for hours and days on end it's the gift that you can keep giving after after you go it's just after you're in the nightlands you can just keep that smell wafting all through the night forever <laughs> and ever everybody welcome back to phil's recap review we're here to talk about game of thrones tonight on a saturday night it's really great to have you guys our good friends in the ch- motherfucking chat are already in there talking i got joe dirty locks with me if this is your first time joining us please jump in the chat if you're watching us live and if you're watching this later share your thoughts of this episode in this season of game of thrones we're going to be recapping all of season two and hopefully a bunch of season three as we're leading up to the beginning of season six i'm super excited to get all of this out of the way tonight we talk about a lot of new stuff we see the ironborn we see Excuse me, the Iron Islands tonight. We're going to get into all of that. So awesome. If you want to reach us, you can always call in at 781-990-8509 or leave a text message. You can also email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com or or tweet me at igotissuesman. Those are all the awesome ways that you can reach us. But as I mentioned before, we have the chat live. We have Vince, our Red Sox fan, Lady, Sam, holy shit. We have uh, Ren Renwood. We have all of our good friends. Joe, did you get your hair cut, they want to know? I don't know. No, no, there it is. There it is. And, okay, this episode, we'll get into talking about everything that happened in this episode. One of the big things happened right at the end, though, is we get to see another White Walker for the first time in a long time. It's, it's really an awesome way to end the episode. And I remember the first time I watched this, I was extremely excited and it had my heart beating uh, like a crazy amount watching this particular, watching that particular part. So here we go. Here we motherfucking go, Joe. And last week I saw I read a DVD commentary, listened to a DVD commentary with Dan and Dave, the two show's creators. On the DVD commentary for this particular episode, we got the Greyjoys. We got uh we got Theon and and Yara or Asha, whatever. They were significantly less important information came from them than came from than came from Dan and Dave. It was a lot of that person's wonderful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Let me see how wonderful they are. There's a couple of Most things. Most of the time, and that's all those things are, is just ass kissing. Like all those biography shows, it's just like ass kiss. Oh, and they were so brilliant to choose this show, and they were so brilliant to choose that show. Like most of the time it's it's they were so brilliant to be lucky enough to be chosen for something or someone's kid to be chosen for something like are you kidding me like they're all so brilliant and such talented people that they work with and all this shit and like hot air up everybody's ass on those mm. things it, like they're fun to watch i don't get me wrong they're really fun to watch but it's God, if, if you ever heard a bad word on it, that would be the end of something. Especially, career. and Vince kind of hints at, or he doesn't hint. Vince says this in the chat, and he's absolutely right. It's it's more effective if you're watching show creators or directors or people yes. that just don't give a fuck, like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, doing DVD commentaries because they just don't give a hell, or they'll say what they really thought, or let you add 
a little bit of information when it's the actors they're so afraid to offend other actors or say anything bad that i mean the most we got was some interesting information about from uh from the actor that alfie allen talking about talking about peter dinklage and where his accent came from that was the that was about as cool as we got and the where fact did his accent come from I, I wrote it in the notes later on i kind of forget but there was a certain person he he basically based his accent off of and we'll we'll get to that later in the show uh, but but ultimately, I agree that the, uh, the the they didn't really add too much. There'll be a couple points where I jump in on that. But this is another. I think Game of Thrones right right now as we're in our twelfth twelfth episode of Game of Thrones. They haven't had a miss yet, and not that the show has many many misses, but the. The last week's episode was maybe one of the best that we've ever talked about, and one of my favorite all-time episodes of Game of Thrones. This just comes right in and fills in uh, and all kinds of awesomeness. A lot of people, but it is fair to say we could get into a whole podcast of our problems with the way that the show portrays the Ironborn. And we're not going to, I'm not going to try, we, we do like to give some book comparisons, but I'll say this right off the bat. It's going to be too difficult to talk about every single Ironborn difference and how they fucked up the Ironborn. I still think the Ironborn are done in an interesting way, especially at the beginning when they're first introduced here. But Right away, they they changed everything to do with that. And let's get that all out of the way. We can- and, and, and not necessarily for the best in my mind. Like that, like they change the character, the the sister, just enough to make me. Uh, like I didn't. Di- I, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into but it. That's but that's the I, only. That's the only difference I'm really going to bring up. Right. I'm going to not bring up all of that because it would hurt. We we'd be here all night being like, well, well, that not happened. That's not who met Theon at the dock. This didn't happen here. This was. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into too much of that because yeah, there's only one part of that that I'll get into, but none of the rest. <laughs> and someone someone said something really. Uh, the uh, Vince says the Ironborn are total pussies in the show. In the books, they're fucking metal. Yes. The pork sausage. He's not set. will never die. Oh, Jenny. Hey, guys. Stayed up to watch this live for the first time. Hello from England. I live near the wall, and winter has motherfucking come. Dude, it was like, it's, we live in New England and Boston, and it was beautiful today. It was like 60-something, 65, 68. It was nice. Drove to work with my window down. Mm. Drove home from work with my window down. Okay, so one more thing I do want to say about the DVD commentary. It is obvious that the two actors, I know everyone loves each other, but listening to them talk together, you could tell why they played up the flirtation a lot. They both are very ridiculously flirtatious with each other in this DVD commentary and very dirty and very funny and very foreshadowy about things that might happen to Theon later. Like, people think I'm a bad guy. Why do people think I'm a bad guy? Uh, Or, or... I can't imagine anything horrible happening to you. Could could you? Little things like that that they talk back and forth that's kind of funny, but it doesn't really add anything to the episode. So I, I just want to get that shit out of the way. Uh, Texas, it's in the 80s. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my goodness so okay so let's start this episode because i know joe is excited to immediately get into talking about one of his his favorite character probably on game of thrones and we didn't really get to see her much last week or him him that that much last week Harry. Uh, i forget how well she plays the little boy thing and seeing her 
squatting in the at the beginning of the shot, taking a pee, and in the whole situation, it's it's really it's really funny. And all I kind of think at first, what's she doing? And you hear the water trickling, and then you're like, oh, ooh. Ari boy. So what are one of those things you kind of think about? Because these are all guys. They're all traveling up north and they're all just pissing and and shitting right there, like around the corner. Like they're not traveling far to do it. They're not hiding themselves to go, you know, dumping shit and stuff. Do you believe that that only Gendry would be the one that would be able to figure it out? No. I mean, you see here, Jaken's got to figure it out as well. Yeah, he knows. He must know as well, right? He he, he knows right. He knows right away. Making and that's why he's so intrigued because she's playing a boy. She's doing it well, uh, but I I believe most of them are fooled. I think if if it's if if it's not just Gendry and Jaken who have figured it out, there's only one or two other people that have, and they're not saying anything. <laughs> you know, but but other than that, no, I don't think anybody's really figured it out at all. And, oh, I, one thing I do want to mention, I'm sorry, I was reading, I got lost in my notes. One thing that they did say that the two actors added to this situation was they said at the table read for this episode, uh, uh, Maisie Williams' parents got a little hot and bothered of the, the I'm going to fuck you bloody see, line when they said that line to, they were. Well, they had to have read the books and shit, like, why would they even be in the room? Do you? I'm not sure about that. Um, oh, because if it's a young actor, they probably have to be there. They're show yeah, parents. Of course, they read the books. They read it at night with Ari. You know, like <laughs> after, right after she, or as soon as she got cast, they were like, "We're reading these books. We'll read them to you at night. You'll read them to us all day." Like you know, that's all it became. She's an artist. She didn't want it. She wanted. Oh, anyways. So we hear she's a method actress. She's really peeing in the water here too. So we hear the trickle, the trickling water down. The opening shutters of Aria. Her back to the camera. She's sitting down in a pool of water, squatting. She turns her head to the left, and we hear some leaves rustle. And she turns. A horse whines and comes towards some other people. And she walks out of the water. And this is where we meet Jaquin Hagar for the very first time. She walks up. She picks up a a bundle of fags there. And and she walks over to there and looks at the cage. And Jaquin immediately goes, lovely boy. Uh, And ultimately, a man... The, the other two guys kind of scare her or bother her a little bit. A man does not choose his companions. These two have no courtesy. Uh, yeah, I must apologize for them. A man must ask for forgiveness. You are called Ari, Ari nods. The man has honor to be Jakinagar of the free city of Lorith. Now, my question is, is he there because he wants to be? He wouldn't be there if he didn't want to be, right? He could No, he could be, he could be there because he's on uh, faceless duty business or some shit like he could be there from you mean like specifically in that cage right i think he's specifically Ah, in that cage because he wants to be in that cage for some reason um maybe maybe not and are the other two guys other two guys uh rogan but rogan butter are they faceless men too no definitely not so they're just tools he's using are they his friends or no definitely not See, I think I, I don't think any of those three men are together. I think maybe Jaken got bagged killing someone because you know they were gotten from the from the black cells of the of the castle. So who knows how Jaken ends up in that in that cave, in that position? We have you a know, co- you know, we know he's an assassin. Like, well, we don't know. 
yet. We don't know anything about him, really. So <laughs> we got a couple spoiler, of things. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I'm sorry. We don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm totally forgot to step in the time machine tonight, Joe. Uh, Sam said, uh, "Oh, we're talking about." I saw an interview that said uh, Maisie Williams's mother. They read them to find out Arya's storyline. Vince says this was a metaphor for transgender people struggling to be accepted, and by gender they feel. Uh, not the not the one they were born as. Ren says, "Well, that the sound of water always makes me want to use the bathroom. I can't even get through washing the dishes." And our Red Sox fan wants to know if we think that Jakinagar is Serial Pharrell. <laughs> I don't. I personally don't think so. I, and I mean, I, I I could get into a whole. Maybe we should do a whole video on that at one point in time. Some of those theories, but it is an interesting theory. It it, it is. It is. I, this. So much, like he just. This is we. This is all we know of him. Like, who the hell knows how he ends up in that, to be in that position, whether he wants to be there, or, or it's accidental. But whatever it is, he didn't not. He definitely did not call Ari over for something to drink. Right. Right. He, he called because he would have been asking anybody. He called Ari over because he's intrigued by Ari. He saw. Ari he saw something, something about in her. her. I used to, I used to think so, and then you brought out my cynicism, Phil. <laughs> about about that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm killing that. In the book, he told the sword teacher to protect his daughter. Uh, welcome, DB. Welcome, and welcome, Dean. Welcome, my friend. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, but it could be it could be that gold cloak's dirty little secret that he did not kill Serial Pharrell, but Serial Pharrell knocked his ass out with his little wooden sword because, like Phil says, we don't see it. Yep. It cuts. When we, when we watch that episode, you do not – it cuts. It cuts to her running away and him taking stance. Yeah, his sword gets broken, but he can easily – if he's the best swordsman in all of Bravos, I think he can take down that Kingsguard. That particular Kingsguard, absolutely. Maybe not Jamie, maybe not but yeah, uh, but that, Sir Barristan, but, but that fuck, yeah, that fuck goes down. <laughs> that fuck is so going down. He's got half a sword, big deal. He, like, there's so many weak spots on that guy's – he's got him. I say he's got him, no problem. I feel like I could take that motherfucker if he was in that suit of armor, even if he had that sword. Yeah, Joe, you I'll once these. Joe, you once went up in the bar to a seven foot tall NBA basketball player and challenged him to a game of one on one and said, I could beat you, motherfucker. And he and he gave you the address of the gym to come play and you wussied out. You did not you did not show up. Sorry, I just had to call you out of that. Cause you would, cause you knew you would have got your ass kicked, cause, yeah. cause he has an armor on, and he would have chopped you up into pieces. I had some, I had some words with Dennis Rodman too, in a, in a different bar in yep. Vegas. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> different story altogether, guys. <laughs> okay, so, so, so we get the Rogan Biter and Jakena Garcia, which is really, really fun. In, in case you're wondering, the first one was Purvis Ellison. Purvis, yeah, the NBA player Purvis Ellison, nervous Purvis. So. uh so ultimately, one of the one of the guys, Rorg, says, "You little shit, get us beer." And Arya decides, goes, "Fuck, go fuck yourselves. You should have asked nicely." And Jakinagar likes that the boy has more courage than sense. And and we have to, of course, mention Rorg's line, "And I'll shove that stick up your bunghole and fuck you, bloody." It's one of the best lines in the series. It is. It is. It is. I, I I'm a little disappointed. Ah. Uh, so I got to re- reiterate that when I, after watching season one, <laughs> I read books two, three, four, five in that order, and then book one. 
So, and it was right before the start of season two. So it was really fresh. And as awesome as this was, I was a little disappointed in Biter and the other guy. Rorg or whatever. And Rorg, yeah. Uh, and just and just their appearance, I thought they got it slightly wrong, but that's eh, me being a nitpicky little reader boy at the time. But other than that, the scene was was amazing. I mean, uh, just the the whole interaction between her and Jaken was fantastic, and and then followed up by her and Gendry highlights highlighted to me anyway exactly why she was like, hey boy, he was like, hey boy, you know, I haven't drank anything in days. Can I mean, come on. Yorin's not fucking letting them fucking starve to death and not have drink. They're men of the black. They may still be caged because he knows they'll run off, but they're fucking men of the black. You know, so he's still feeding them and giving them water. He called them over for a reason. Mm. And uh, <laughs> Nerve Joe, Nervous Purvis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and excuse me, so a couple of people are mentioning Preston Jacobs' videos. Yeah. When he says some of those weird theories, they get in my head. And I'm like, holy shit, maybe? Uh, uh. And there's a lot of theories he has about this particular situation. If you haven't checked out his videos. For, for the record, I definitely would have taken per- Nervous Purvis. And I wouldn't have had I think you had to work that. Book. Didn't you have to work that day or something? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was at a concert. I was on acid. I had to work. Hey, what are you, ta- what are you talking there was, there was something. I don't know. <laughs> there's some shit going on. <laughs> but, no, I would have. I was really good back in the day. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe is a phenom on the basketball court. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, Arya runs away from them, and Gendry. Then we start to get our Gendry and Arya arc uh, build, and they have a really fun relationship that obviously has parallels to to. Uh, to Robert and Liana and Robert and Ned's relationship, the Stark and the Baratheon hanging out and talk. It's just, it's really fun. It's one of the cornerstones of our series. And it's, it's seeing them interact is something I talk about this a lot. I haven't seen season two and three as much as I've seen some of the other seasons. So some of this stuff, like a little finger scene we're going to get to later is stuff I kind of forget about and, I don't know quite as well as I know some of the other stuff, so it's really fun to watch it again for almost the first time. And I, and in this particular watch, I'm actually really liking Gendry, and I really liked him and his interactions with Ari in this episode. It, it really, it, I liked him a lot in season one, and like the little bits we got from him, I really liked him in season two. I was glad we got so much from him. Um, I can't wait to see how much more we get from him. <laughs> yeah, it feels like he, it feels like he's going to become a cornerstone of the series, really, like, right, like, Joe? He might be king, dude. He yeah, might he, be king. I, I'm I'm Team Gendry for for king, right, Joe? Yeah, we're, we're on the we're on the, t- the bull king. Come on, <laughs> can't can't you see his house his house like the the the, the stag and the bull together? <laughs> Kaylana says, "Drinking, Joe?" <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Vince says, if Ari and Gendry marry each other, it will fulfill what King Robert always wanted. I have a son, you have a daughter, we'll join houses, Ned's daughter and Robert's son would marry. That would be unbelievably awesomely awesome. Are you kidding me? I never even I never even thought that. Like even when I was watching this, their age difference just seemed so great. And then like in future episodes, there's so much that happens that yeah, yeah. it well, never even looked awesome i love that new thought <laughs> yeah go they, they they're the next hot couple get them together get them together that is awesome i think if time machine zip 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 future i think if we're to see him again realistically it's through her eyes 
it's the only thing that would truly make sense for our story to really introduce him again, I think. I mean, I just think that would be the most fun. Some sort of interaction between the two of them, maybe. What about, what about like, some sort of interaction between him and Danny? That that could be cool, too. Or, no, 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 fuck that. <laughs> I don't want Danny to go near him. Especially, what if, what if, uh... What if another hand of the king goes and talks to him and questions him, Tyrion? <laughs> oh, I can't wait till we get to Tyrion. Dun, or, dun. or 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 uh, another future hand <laughs> of the king gets to question him about stuff. Ren says a happy ending. No fucking way. No fucking way. Okay, so so two gold cloaks end up riding in on horseback. Gendry puts down the wood he was carrying, and Arya starts freaking out. Why are these gold cloaks here? And Arya attempts to hide under some of the wood that... <laughs> hide behind Gendry's big pile of wood that he has going on there. <laughs> and she's like, what? he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing with my wood? And the gold cloaks are here. They're looking for me. And we cut over to the gold cloaks, and I just love Yorin the oh, way he's the, the pimp walk too. He's like walking down the walking down the street, bum bum, you motherfucker, you know, like I'm coming for you, bitch. Dude, fr- he's from the north. He's a badass fighter from the fucking north, from the wall. Like, like you want to talk about hard? Like the wall makes a man hard. If you're not all like you're from the north, whatever, go north to the wall. Please live at the wall, please, with the murderers, the rapists, the thieves, the fucking all like the like Jesus, the fucking slints and the trints that show up there. <laughs> slints and the trints. Uh, Vince says Gendry is now the show, the last Baratheon in the show. Very good, very good point. Alice, oh no, wait, is uh-huh. wait, Tommen and Tommen, Tommen Baratheon, right? Tommen and the and what's her name? Mercilla? No, she's dead, name? dude. We're we're in the future now. She's dead. She's dead, dude. No, the sister. Yeah. She, oh, whatever. Well, I, I, I'm not going to repeat spoilers over and over again. But uh, but yeah, no, she's fine, Joe. She's absolutely. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that was months ago. I know man. it gets it gets, confu- it gets confusing. Kaylana says Gendry gives blood from sensitive regions. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, that just sounded wrong. Uh, Kaylana says, Arya and Gendry married is better than the whack. George R. R. Martin having a romance. Uh, if anyone hasn't read it, thank you for bringing that up, Kaylana. In a, in a spoiler, perhaps not even a spoiler, in an early draft idea that George R. R. Martin had for Game of Thrones, it had a weird romance angle going on with Jon Snow and Arya. And that ultimately it was kind of based around them having brotherly sisterly sisterly loving relationship and vince says what's wrong with george martin that he's got so much like incest in his <laughs> uh, vince says the books say that yorin smells like piss and i do want to mention this yorin and the gold cloaks thing this how they handle it on the show and just quick comparison the book it's much bigger longer process of playing cat and mouse a little bit with the king's guard after this situation Yes, there, it's it's just it's much more detailed and because this is a, a long fucking journey they're on. Like they, when they're saying like so far away, like I kind of imagine them almost halfway to Winterfell by this point. It's been weeks. <laughs> oh yes, and so much Jon Snow incest with Arya. If you haven't read this yet, just you can easily find it if you Google. Or someone maybe can share the link if they have it, but you can. It's if you Google George R. R. Martin original outline for Game of Thrones. Be careful; there are some potential future 
possible spoilers in there, but oh, it's no, not that far, but. But but it's it's I mean but it's very vague. It's just it, there. It's very vague and etched out. There's some stuff crossed out, and some people on Reddit were like, we're like, uh, we're, we're doing all CSI on it and trying to decipher what the crossed out stuff was. It was a whole big thing that was going on for a while. So it's it's pretty easy to find that stuff if you want to take a look at it. And some of the some of the changes were ridiculous. Tyrion was much more of a warrior. It all ended with a big battle on the field between. Between Joffrey, Joffrey was also more of a warrior. It was it was a lot of a, a lot of differences. I'm kind of fucking it up because I haven't read it in a while. It's an interesting read, and I all read it. And that you're absolutely right, Sam. That is, uh, was it Sam? No, Vaughn. That is how they got down. And even in our history, people still get down that way, you know. But still, it's just uh, he likes to he likes to write about it and and really just explore that area of you know people. Yes, he does, Joe. He absolutely does. And he also absolutely has a... Wait, sorry about that. So that something... Deft hand with diplomacy. Yes, he has a deft hand with diplomacy. Thank you. That was, that was awful. Bad, bad, bad sound cube. The volume was turned down. <laughs> that doesn't work. Had, a, had no idea he was on my copy Steve page. Steve Buscemi, she just out of nowhere said Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! You guys, me. you guys, in every chat, mentioned at least once. Of course, absolutely, I agree. Why does he show up? Oh no, different subject. I was gonna be like, why does he always show up in Adam Sandler movies? Like, like that's the one thing. Like, what does what does Sandler have on Buscemi? Does he have one of his kids kidnapped in his basement? What does Buscemi have on Sandler? Or, that's probably or something. Don't want. If anyone hasn't already watched it and they're thinking about it, don't watch the Netflix Adam Sandler uh, West movie it's not worth your time and will actually make you stupider by watching it now, there's a, oh, i've been very very sadly disappointed with sandler for a, a while now but i still keep giving him a chance they, he, there was something he just did which i thought was yeah i don't let's uh, not pixels. get to, pixels let, was good no it wasn't that sucked let's not get down to sam oh, i like it oh, it fucking sucked horribly okay so you're you're in took a oh it's pathetic so you're in uh, you're in put a uh, puts a knife to the guy's cock and the guy starts to pull out the sword he goes i asked you a question uh, you did but without manners and i chose not to answer and he gives him a royal warrant for the gutter rats you're transporting well the thing is these gutter rats belong to the Night's Watch now that puts Not them to kings or queens. Yep, puts them beyond the reach of kings and queens. And yep, the funny thing, people worry so much about their throats they forget what's down low. Now I sharpen the blade before breakfast. I could shave a spider's ass if I wanted to, or I could nick this artery in your leg once it's nicked. Oh, this is awesome. No, no one here will know how to unnick it. Yeah, there's no one anywhere close enough that knows how to unnick it. <laughs> I love the way he just says that. It's like just I just got to nick it. And ain't no one close enough to unnick. Ren says if you sever the femoral artery, you bleed out in four to oh, five yeah, minutes. Oh, yeah, real quick. That shit's pumping. And Sam's with you, Joe. She liked pixels. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was it was. Cu- I mean, I I was had a completely open mind about about the whole thing. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk. There about was it. problems, but 
It was still entertaining. What would Yorin say about Pixels, Joe? He would say, fuck this shit up its ass. He would have stabbed fucking Qbert, that's for sure. Okay, so instead of stabbing Qbert, Yorin says, well, takes his sword, goes, I'll keep this sword. It's all threatens his little Qbert, that's it. It's always needed at the wall. And seems you have a choice. You can die here at this crossroads a long way from home, or you can go back to your cities and tell your masters you didn't find who you're looking for. Motherfucker slams down the hammer as the gold cloaks just speak out loud now. We're looking for a boy named Gendry. And Arya looks really shocked. She was, she's kind of almost upset. She's like, wait a minute. I thought you were after me. Hmm. And he carries out the bull's helmet. And he says, anyone who turns over him will earn a king's reward. We'll be back with more men. Yeah. And Yorin kind of smiles and looks at the group. And, uh, and I mean, then we get into a big game of cat and mouse between the two of them. And in the, in the books, it's, again, a lot more detailed here. But it's, you know, Yorin wins this. He smiles. He kind of enjoyed that. He enjoyed the fight of it a little bit. I yeah, love everybody. Everybody enjoyed that. Even the gold cloak got a, a, you know, he was so pissed. He's ready for a fight now. He comes back with a freaking army, right? <laughs> Vince says Yorin was good. Yeah, he does. He comes back with a, like a lot of men. Vince says Yorin was going to go Ramsey on that gold cloak. Dean says Yorin proves one man in the north can fuck up ten southern dudes. I love Arya's reaction to that. Oh, yes, I did. Like, he just walked right up to it. You're going to really, from from horseback with me standing right next to you, you think you're going to be able to draw your sword before I pull you off the horse or stab you like four times? It's ridiculous. Like, you you let this guy walk up to you like that. Your gold cloak? Your gold cloak sitting on your fucking horse. You're a dead man. You let someone get that close to you. <sighs> Gosh. Like, and you, like I mean, yeah, that person might die, too, when you get trampled by the horse as he jerks on the reins, but still. And it's worth asking or worth getting into that that the gold cloaks, these gold cloaks were sent by were were sent by Cersei or sent by Joffrey after or for Gendry after what we saw in the last episode. There is some speculation in some people of who exactly did send these guys. Are is their claim legitimate of what they're looking for? Gendry, could they also well, be influenced or sent by Littlefinger? Could Littlefinger have something to do with the no, killing it's of? Definitely not, it's definitely not Littlefinger. There's the one Again. scene we have in that previous episode with Joffrey when Cersei smacks him. And they're talking about how many people did you fuck and all the orphans and everything. And then we have a scene later in this episode. But it was it was it seemed clear to me. It seemed clear to Tyrion that it was definitely Cersei's orders. And it was Joffrey that brought it up to her. And she's kind of scared that maybe somebody might take Stannis's bullshit. And, and that's definitely how they set it up. That's definitely how I saw it. <laughs> Dean. Like, I was I was on in corner Tyrion at that moment, like, that Cersei was having these motherfuckers killed to protect Joffrey. Joe, what do you call a whorehouse entrance? A uh, home. No, a hodor. Uh, <laughs> uh, dude, yeah, I like it. Uh, Lady says, I think it was Joffrey's uh, purely. Uh, also, artery man along the along the arm of the bicep as well, says Kaylana. Sam says, and Joffrey's gold cloaks were not the brightest, be- uh, best in the batch. Uh, because Critch was saying the gold cloaks aren't used to deal with someone who's not squirming at their approach. Because Vince was saying the gold cloaks were sent by Joffrey in the, in, the, in the show. And someone was asking that they're surprised that the gold cloaks allowed him to like kind of step up towards them and i think it's similar to what someone in the chat was saying that i don't think the gold cloaks because they're used to dealing with people 
in like the the lower class and King's Landing that just kind of bow with them and do anything that they want, whereas someone getting in their face that has no that they have no jurisdiction on that has dealt with things that they couldn't even imagine. They're just not used to dealing with someone that's just that. That's yeah, ready to talk back, ready to put a knife to his crotch, and and they're alone. It's the two of them. Like they are used to their authority and pieces of paper <laughs> like that being flashed that. And people do what they say, like, because one guy's going to ride off and in 30 seconds, 10 more fucking gold cloaks are going to be back or, or white. Yeah. Gold. Cloaks when we kill back. one, so, 10 more come in their place, Joe, they just keep right, popping but, up. It's like playing whack-a-mole. Right. But a hundred miles out of King's landing. No, nobody's, nobody's showing up for a couple of days. They'll be able to march for a couple more days. It might be a, like a week before they see anybody. So the gold cloaks ride off, and Gendry and Arya stand up. Great look by Arya. And I just, I love how a lot of the television series, a big element of the television series, is seeing it through Arya's eyes and just watching her reactions, her eye rolls. Oh, amazing. She, she's just so good. We talk about this a lot in future episodes, Joe. But I just need to stop for a second and say just how amazing Maisie Williams is as Arya and seeing her her growth as all of the kids. I think are good for the most part on the show. I think I think Bran is really good, especially in these early seasons. I mean, we don't yes. see him later on. On. He just gets older, so it's not his fault. Yes, he, He's, he gets he gets that awkward puberty thing starting. To right, to right. But but Arya just grows. Or Maisie Williams just grows and fits her character at every stage so perfectly. Yes, she does. And she does. and probably the the best casting by Game of Thrones casting for for. Almost anybody. I mean, there's so many things, so many characters you can say that about Peter Dinklage, uh, Ty, Jamie, Tywin, Jamie. I mean, I think every, I think, I think what's awesome about Game of Thrones is for eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten, they cast the right person for the right part, and it is they they're casting people that are those people. So I think I'm, you know, repeating my. My only problem is Marjorie. Marjorie, some could say that they do, even though Stephen Delane's great, some could say that the Stannis casting maybe was a little bit off. Some could say a couple of wow, the. Wow, I don't see that being off. I, I, I think they, they fucked with the character a little, but no, I thought he was perfect. He is such a stone cold fuck in almost everything he's in. He's, it's like, it's good to see him in this role. I think, well, not in everything he's in, but I think he does this really well. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, he's he's one of the ones that's just maybe it's my own personal biases of of what I imagine stands to look like in my mind. So many of the other characters fit it like a glove, whereas Stannis, I just for some reason I expected him to look a little bit different and, and have a little bit different of the uh, of of his uh, of his tactics. I don't, I don't know. You could, you could, we could keep playing this game, but I think I think I agree with what Lady was saying that about about nine times out of ten, about eighty ninety percent. Sam, not Lady Sam, eighty to ninety percent right on the casting for the most part. I think, and I think when it's right, it's brilliant. Like, see, I'm more like ninety nine percent perfect. I got one person that I just, and it's only it's only just a bias. I can think at least three, Joe, without even breaking a sweat. Uh, not me. I think they did a great job with with everybody. Really. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I got some sand on my snake down below my below oh, my waist. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get into that too much, Joe. But I, I yield. I yield. There's now two. <laughs> you, you, Sorry. Three. Okay. That's, maybe that's more. No. Whatever. That's, whatever. Oh, yeah. Shit. That's all of all of them. 
You're right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's three, Joe. So you said one. I can think of three. All right. So without... Now my count's up to five. Okay. And actually, one of those I can remove because it's more the writing and not the ca- the actress or the casting. So yeah, yeah. Okay, four. <laughs> four. <laughs> we all have our we all have our issues. I, I, gotta, I haven't watched season five a second time yet. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get to point, that. I've, I've I've watched like. By the time season two came around, I would watch season one like three times. By the time season three came around, I'd watch season one like six times and season two like three times. Mm. So like, and it continued like that. But I haven't rewatched season five at all yet. So, and I also have to say, the actor, I think the actor that plays Dennis is great. I don't think he's does not do a good job. It's just again, that's just personal of when I listen to the books or when I read it, I just imagine something else in my mind. And I think the actor does an excellent job, especially in the later half of the well, series. You also had that guy when the 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 book yeah yes he's doing these accents that don't correlate to what you end up seeing. exactly so sometimes i forgive it sometimes i don't and this was that was the first thing as you mentioned this before i i listened to that audiobook before i saw that particular season so so yeah with with me a lot of the times i know people get in like when they read they get off on all these tiny details. Like me, like anytime a feast was mentioned, I wanted to like I still read it, but I wanted to skip to the end of that paragraph because you know it was just seven sentences about the food, <laughs> and then like like how people are dressed. Yeah, that all plays into the story, but I'm more in, I'm more into the macro story, and I miss a lot of these subtle details when I read, um, and it's to my detriment, of course. So there's like like you mentioned earlier, there was a, a mute with them on their way up. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, well, well, when we get to the scene, I'll mention I'll mention that. But, okay, so let's get to bump ba da bump 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 my favorite part of any episode. Our, our, our good friend Tyrion Lannister at the Red Keep, whistling through the hallways as he opens a door. <laughs> and to me, this starts... We talk about this a lot in some of the more recent episodes because we deal with them, but I I really fucking love Varys and Tyrion when they're in scenes together. It's it is two of the bat, and I know I was talking about Theon and Yara and and Osha uh, talking about talking about the episode. They were like their gushing level even rose crazy. Not talking about uh, not talking about. Tyrion, but talking about how Varys was their favorite character. They just loved Varys, loved the actor, said he's he's amazing. They were just gushing so much about him. Yeah. So, and, and uh, like Sam was saying, I love season two Tyrion. I lo- once this starts my favorite so far Tyrion arc in the entire series of books of show. His run as Hand of the King, leading to how this all manifests oh, itself it as a story. Really show, like as a character. You get to see that he's witty. You get to see that he's intelligent, like smart and witty. But until you, you, or that he has knowledge too. But until you see season two, you realize that Tyrion's not just knowledgeable and he's not just witty, but he's got wisdom behind this shit. Like, and lots of it. Like, he kind of lets a little bit of of it out in a witty way with Jon Snow. And he kind (laughs) of lets a little bit of it out, uh, you know his wittiness and his and his and his able to like sell a used car when he's at the veil and and with the moon people but and you get to see how smart he is when he sits down with his dad at the table and he tells everybody to get out yep. of the room you're going to be handed. and there's an interest but it's interesting this that season you... we get to see how wise he is in the decisions he's making 100% Joe. he goes about doing 100% Joe. and just to connect that tissue 
it also shows character growth because in that scene that you're talking about with Tywin, there is a moment where he says to Tywin, strategy is new for me, but I'm starting to pick up on it. We're starting to see him, some of those things starting to manifest itself into reality. That being said, show Tyrion is a lot more omnipresent of everything that's going around him than book is. Book, Book Tyrion is a little bit more focused on his family and on Cersei and on everything. Right away, he underestimates at times Varys and Littlefinger, whereas right away, Tyrion is really on who Littlefinger, uh, on Varys right here. Oh, get the fuck away from her. Get the fuck away from her. I don't want you around here. He's a big liar. You should worry about him. Right. He's, he uses his knowledge, like his secrets for power. And if you talk to him, he'll figure shit out. He's very smart. And just with a five-minute conversation, he'll be able to read you. You'll be able to let out information by simple things, saying things, body expression that he can pick up on really well. He's very cunning like that. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and Kaylada, yeah, yeah, I think some people are at different timestamps in the chat right now. Uh, Dean says, I agree with Phil that Tyrion's wisdom and charisma is the reason why Tywin sent him, excuse me, to King's Landing. Charles Dance and Peter Dinklage were a pleasure to watch. Absolutely. Really awesome stuff. And... I, I, that's the one thing this season's missing. It's missing a little... T- I, need some, I need some Tywin. Give me more Tywin. So we get the Shay and Vera scene, one of our best moments in this uh, episode, the line. <laughs> uh, you should... When, uh, Tyrion's just getting pissed off that Varys is in there and the bullshit going on between the two of them. So so he just goes, you should taste her fish pie. And Shay's like, I don't think Lord Varys likes fish pie. And Varys says, how can you tell? I can always tell. And Tyrion, men like Lord Varys and I can, can't let our disadvantages get the best of us. We'll make a fisherman out of him yet. Yeah. I love that whole exchange back and forth with Tyrion and Shay. And, and, and this is one of the moments where Shay doesn't bother me. Just because she's just played down a little bit. And it is worth mentioning that she doesn't actually stay in the hand of the King tower in the books. She stays at a whorehouse and this interaction between Tyrion and, and, and Varys happens a little bit differently. And there is also the speculation. If you listen to some conspiracy theories or some, some, some things that maybe Shay is an agent of Varys or has some relationship with Varys already that I'm just want to put out any information I've heard about, about these just kind of you, you kind of gotta i mean that's like oh anybody that's in westeros that's from essos must know each other you know like any russian here in massachusetts in the 80s had to know each other now it's a little different there's you know many many more but it almost seemed that way at some at some points like all the irish knew each other all the jews knew each other like so like if you're if you're in westeros and you're from essos you know Word gets around that there's foreigners around or not, I would imagine. But that's also kind of weird to assume that they would know each other. Mm. But I, I mean, she's in a, she's found in a, a camp in Tywin's camp. I mean, why wouldn't? And he's got people from King's Landing, so why 
of course, there's a good possibility that they already know each other. Or I just I more think that she was somewhat of a of a plant, and I don't know, whatever. I don't want to get into too far of conspiracy theories for things yet to come. We'll, we'll talk about that as we get into the future with uh, the things that Shay does. As Red, as Al was saying in the chat, I hate Shay for things yet to come. And I I gotta say I wasn't the biggest fan of her from the beginning, but at some points I think her and Peter Dinklage have good the actor and actress have good chemistry and i think she plays playful well and kind of uh, she's really started to bother me more in her last in season four whiny everything was like like uh, just every time she was on scene it was very well what about me you don't do anything for me tell me take me do this for me when Tyrion was nothing but straightforward the whole time it really made it clear in the books like no you can't be coming with me to to court you have to live in this whorehouse and then that even gets like to an even more secret whorehouse and (laughs) it's just like he he had to hide her for a long time and like here it's like oh I'll just hide you in my room so basically he's like oh I'm just going to make you a prisoner here in the fucking in the keep like, of course she's going to, like, go stir-crazy and shit. And then, like, I think she might... Oh, just, yeah. Manipulative. Like, okay. So Varys says, I'm glad your new friend was able to accompany you to the capital. Friends are such an important part of life. Unfortunately, your father didn't uh, want her to come. But rest easy, Lord. I'm very good at keeping secrets from my good friends. Tyrion, your discretion is legendary when your friends are concerned. And Varys goes, how unspeakable of me to go on and on. Uh, or let's do Varys from the audience. How unspeakable of me when all you want to do is rest. I'll leave. Welcome to King's Landing my dear the city makes brighter because of your presence and Tyrion immediately views all of this as a threat do you think Tyrion was being a little too hyper crazy I don't like threats I'm not threatening you I'm not Ned Stark I understand the way this game is played Ned Stark was a man of honor says Varys and I'm not threaten me again and I'll have you thrown into the sea like a mermaid I didn't catch any threats me neither did I I didn't see anything veiled or otherwise that I think Varys was trying to be his friend I kind of, I kind of feel like Varys went there for some reason and found Shay. Like Tyrion took it some other way. He wasn't being secretive. He didn't. Nobody jumped up and like, oh my god, Tyrion's back. Like there was nothing like that going on. There was. I didn't pick up on any on any threats. Like he said, dude, it's your secret. Okay, I'll keep your secret. Don't worry. Like, and then Tyrion was all of a sudden like. Went badass on him. Yeah, like, why was like, Tyrion? You're not going to keep my secret. Fuck you. You threatened me like that. Like, what? Tyr- like, why does Tyrion so that? dead set on not trusting Varys? What he says afterwards makes a lot of sense, though. What? What? Which is what? What? You- I for, I forget exactly how how Tyrion puts it to Shay, but he says something after right after Varys leaves. Doesn't he say something about like? No, Tyrion opens the door. He he and Varys exit or. He, in Varys' exit, Varys closes the door behind him, and, and no, b- basically, basically that's the end of that scene. I think it's er- I think you're thinking of it in the last episode where he's talking about very good liars, some great liars. No, uh, maybe I, it's I, in a later episode. Maybe it's later this episode. I don't know. The uh, the Kaylana said the conspiracy was that maybe Tywin set her into the ranks. 
Uh, and uh, and okay, Alfie Allen says that people think I'm the villain. I don't think so. And they joke. And this is where they both joke to each other. Uh, who knows what's gonna happen? I haven't done anything villainous yet. And this is where they talk about Peter Dinklage and they say that when Peter Dinklage was first in the main auditions for the show, and he was working with the dialect coach. The dialect coach called him out on who he was basing his accent on and said he was basing his accent on Eddie Izzard. And that's what, uh, that is what apparently Alfie Allen's, that's from Alfie Allen's mouth. I like Eddie Izzard. That, that Peter Dinklage was, bases some part of the foundation of his, of his Tyrion accent within Eddie Izzard. So, so there's that. His, he had a, a short-lived series, The Riches. It was really good. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Eddie Ezzard. Very, very, very funny. So, uh, so here we go in the, the small council. And I did not remember this, but I'm, like, writing notes of things I'm remembering from the books and looking at things. Cersei wasn't in this situation in the books because didn't Tyrion give her something to take a shit or to give her the shits or something? Something like that. I'm, I'm blank. Like, it's been so long. So some of this stuff is flashing back and I'm reading stuff, listening to other stuff. So if I have this like faint memory of Cersei not actually being in this situation at the small council. And it's been four years since I read any of it, so all of my memories are like skewed and flawed and gone. <laughs> gone. They are <laughs> gone. gone. They are gone. Up and up and smoke. So why are Krispy Kreme donuts? trending right now okay Shay was a bad day soap opera acting because she was a poor actress for your information Shay has a lorith accent it's the place where jakinagar is from both are german yes Tyrion had like given her food poisoning or something yeah at, yeah it was it was something like that wasn't it it given her given her food poisoning okay so the small council table and alton lannister's there cersei's reading rob's letter out loud or part of it i have the whole letter i'll read it later from this time until the end of the time we're no part of your realm we're free and independent King of the North, and she rips up the letter. She is so awesome Good at ripping paper. Yeah, you're, you perfect. She perfected the art of ripping up paper. And Tyrion just like and she did it to Ned Stark. She does it here. Yeah, she's she does it to Tyrion. She doesn't believe in this sort of shit. And give him his father's letter bones back at least. It's a gesture of good faith. You give, and uh, you'll give the Starks a reply, cousin. Yes, I will. Did you see my brother when you were with the Starks and Valish Va- and 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 Baelish? No, Varys and Baelish kind of look at each other, and you, you just get this sort of when she's asking about Jamie, just because everyone's supposed to have the Stannis thing on their mind right now of just reading the letter that Stannis sent out. So it's yeah. somewhat public knowledge. And that and that letter went. Everywhere, everywhere, every lord in Westeros. It went to every like, not just the lords. I think he probably sent it to like you know the community bulletin board, like yeah. the town square, to be posted by like the town schmuck. Like he tried to make this this letter, and then like you know if a common folk or or people that just don't like the Lannisters get a hold of this letter, they're gonna copy it. They're gonna do whatever they can to spread this thing around and talk about it. This is the talk. Of the kingdom. And Kaylana says... Everybody knows now. Kaylana said she broke her role and actually fell in love with Tyrion. I, I want to say that when we get to what's going to happen in the future, I agree with you, Kaylana. I think the way that the actress played it up played that she was falling in love with him, but I don't think that's a right to 
when we get to the Shea thing, it, it doesn't quite balance in everything that we've seen. It doesn't make sense, some of the things that she would have done if she, w- if she wasn't an agent the whole time. And that makes more sense. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that as we travel further down that path with Like, she really them. pushes hard. If she's just a, a – she pushes hard to get into that castle. Yeah, she into does. Keep, into – you know, she stays quick. She goes with Braun quick. She doesn't like. And fa- let's fast forward here for a second. Spoiler one, two, three. And she, here we go. She gets in bed with Tywin pretty damn quick when yep. shit goes down. That happens pretty. And Tywin f- knows about her immediately. Yeah, he, when, not when, bringing that whore to court. Exactly. He knows about her not bringing that whore to court like it's a setup so he can take away his power later and has that card in his pocket to fuck Tyrion later. And also, when Cersei points her out finally, he doesn't look surprised. He know, he gives that look like, yep, I know. That looks forward. Yep, I'm fucking her. I know who she <laughs> is. Bless you, Joe. And And it's also worth it to say that in the story that he tells, you know, uh, Shay back at camp about her dad and Jamie and everybody fucking his first wife, right? He tells that story. Mm-hmm. And Tywin is among the people that fucks that farm girl. Farm girl 69, yep. You know, so Tywin's got a thing for fucking Tyrion's women. Not just his, not just his whores. But the women that he may or may not be in love with. Right. Because he wants to decide. His, he's, he's not a free being. You killed my wife. You're not a free being. I will use you as a bargaining chip to further my, my stuff. love. I will take all of yours. Oh, and, and not just that. I will take all of yours. But also, I won't allow you to have love because I need to use you as a bargaining chip to marry our family with other families when it becomes advantage, advantageous to us. And he is Tyrion is the only chip left. He, yeah, I mean, he's still got hopes, but Jamie's married off to the King's Guard. Exactly. Cersei's married off and with a dead husband. Like, I mean, I still think as we get into it, I still think he has plans to you know do have his own agenda with Cersei. And you're still young enough to bear children. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll we'll get to that. And with and with Jamie, he probably even. Whether it ends up being what he does to Jamie later, the manipulation he uses on Jamie, he knows at one point in time he'll have some play to Jamie to make Jamie leave his vows. He has some game of game afoot. The game is afoot for Tywin. The game is fucking afoot. Daddy asshole. Well, I like Tywin the actor. I really dislike him as a character. Just as DB. Yes. And uh, Ren says, Annie, Annie knows where whores go. <laughs> Yes, he does. Where do whores go? So they go through the whole door. So Dutch. So Cersei <laughs> says, "If you speak with him, tell him he's not forgotten." And she gets. And Alton says, uh, "His spirit has not been broken." I will safe travels, cousin. And we get the probably one of my favorite Tyrion lines up until this point in the series. You have a deft hand in diplomacy. It's just a great, great line of uh, of him. Here we go. <laughs> Yep, deft-handed diplomacy. So, so uh, is that everything? And a raven flew in this morning from Castle Black. Pizel hands a letter to to Tyrion, and Tyrion begins to unfold it and read it. And Varys jokes trouble with the wildlings, and Baelish, you know, do their back and forth. That's why they're called wildlings. Dunch. Varys says, somewhat less wild these days. It seems they've stopped killing, and they started following this king beyond the wall. 
And Cersei jokes, how many? That's another fucking king? Yeah. Now, now what? Uh, five? Is there six. five? Have we, have we? Soon to be six. We've lost. We've lost count, Joe. There's so many kings. Like caps on fucking pencils. Oh, caps on pencils. On pens. Fuck this shit. Too many kings. It is the seven kingdoms, right? Yeah, I guess we need a king for the kingdoms. You shouldn't have killed your fucking husband, bitch. What were you thinking? Oh, God. Leave the kingdom in Joffrey's hands? Yeah. I I think, honestly, if we're going to go back to that, I think it was more that she was weighing alternatives. And the alternative to have Robert hunt her down and kill her because Ned tells Robert the truth. Balance that between thinking that, excuse me, she could control Joffrey. Kill Ned. She could have tried. John. Kill Ned. I mean, I I think ultimately her fear for doing that was Rob Stark getting all the banners and ultimately what ends up happening anyways. Yes, but if if Robert's alive, it's a different story. Mm, good point. I guess that's an interesting point. If but then would he go – he would probably go crazy trying to figure out who killed Ned. And then right. you could kill Robert a different way by that, by setting him up against somebody and, and get Robert out of the – you know, out there on the battlefield and away from you for a while for trying to kill everybody that killed Ned. Good question, Vince. We're going to get to – that is big time in my notes. Uh, where the fuck is Thorne? The old bear said last season he was going to send Alistair Thorne to King's Landing with the White's Hand. But all we got is a fucking letter. Thorne is too busy torturing Snow. <laughs> Still isn't yeah. he on the show? It's it's an interesting point, Lee. One of the things I love about rewatches is you pick up on how they mention characters way before they show them. Very, very good point. Very good. And I, lo- I love how they do that as well. Foreshadowing the characters like with Stannis. We heard about Stannis way before we saw him on the show. And I do agree with, uh, to go back to the last question, and in this situation we get... Th- them hearing about the hand, the hand got sent, but I remember very specifically in our recaps of this, because we didn't do this that long ago, Joe, that Thorne did say to Jon Snow, you don't, I mean, the old bear said to Jon Snow, you don't have to worry about Thorne, I sent him to King's Landing with the hand, and here they say that he sent a letter, is this just a mistake in the show, did Thorne say fuck this and turn around, like what exactly happened here, I don't think it's ever explained is this just a fuck up on the show's part, do you think um wow, I didn't even pick up on it, um do we ever get, maybe we'll get a scene later where Thorne says, ah, I thought I thought, I thought there is a scene where he shows up with a box with the hand in it gives it to someone not that I remember I think that's again. I think that's in the book. He shows up, and Tyrion doesn't trust him because Thorn and him have history from when Tyrion was at the Wall, and kind of makes fun of him a little bit about it. And Omis is on the side of Cersei with joking about, "Oh, we don't believe in these such things." Where they place Tyrion in this situation, like he's the only one that could possibly believe it. It's an interesting change to not bring Thorn in this. The old bear changed the way they marched north. Thorn made... Oh, okay. Critch says the old bear changed when they decided to march north. He had Thorn stay. Okay. Thank you so much. Because I'm confused because in the book, because Vince says in the books, Thorn is at King's Land. Okay, so that's where the confusing confusing point is. That Thorn must have uh, been left in charge or he is left in charge of Castle Black when... I'm taking a boat, too. <laughs> possibly. it is. It is actually a... A pretty probably an easier boat ride. Yeah, you just go over to the end of the wall there to the East Watch and 
take a boat down to uh, King's Landing, take you a week instead of like two months. Vince says, we don't see Thorne again until season four. And yeah, and Tyrion makes him wait forever before giving him audience because he knows he's a dickhead, <laughs> says Joe Man. Yeah, I re- again, I remember that. That's fucking awesome. Okay, so, so we get uh, Tyrion, Lord Commander asks we send more men to the wall. Perhaps he's forgotten we're fighting a war, says Cersei. We have no men to spare. Tyrion says, cold winds are rising and the dead rise with them. And they joke, the the Northerners are superstitious people. And everyone but Tyrion stands up and leaves and starts kind of joking and making, uh, laughing at this whole situation. Tyrion says, according to the Lord Commander, one of the dead men attacked him in his chambers. Mormont doesn't lie, which is a... Which is a very no, he does not. He doesn't, and Tyrion knows him and knows him not to be a man that would exaggerate these types of situations. And Cersei thinks this is hilarious. One trip to the wall and you come back believing in grumpkins and snarks. The way she laughs at him is amazing too. It's really fun. The way the way she just like cat calls him like <laughs> you almost get the feeling that if he didn't kill her mother she would like him or find him funny as we get a later scene in the episode when they're when they're talking you're funny you're a funny guy you're very very funny you know the, not as funny as your joke when you killed my mother that was the funniest joke of all oh that's the look on fucking Tyrion's face this scene is amazing like this is the first this is where we really see for the first time just how much she hates Tyrion. right and that's and we haven't we got they don't like each other or she doesn't like him at all or has some sort of animosity but at this point when you hear her say this when you see Tyrion's reaction to it the way he the look on his face and how much it hurts him and how much he wants to lash out at her and and he it holds just, it you really feel the hatred she actually holds for Tyrion we're not quite to that scene yet but i agree with you joe that is that is one of the moments where you see that Peter Dinklage isn't just an isn't just a normal actor. He has that extra gear that can play multiple emotions at once, and you just see the whole process of it going through. Where he's he's processing what he's saying. He still loves his sister in a way, and you see that a lot in these first couple episodes. And something I forget, considering where he goes from here, that he really he's got the, Stockholm syndrome. He was raised by someone that treated him like shit. Yeah, and he, he cares for her. He had, to, he had to live in the house. And, you know, you look up to your big brother or big sister, even when they do treat you like shit. Exactly. Not to mention that he does love Jamie and he knows Jamie loves her. So he try, tries to do the best for her in his way by being like, come on, Cersei, you're an idiot. The diplomacy. Yeah, and, and Tywin has beat it into them that family, 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 no matter what family, I would have thrown you into the water. But, mm-hmm. hey. Your family. So we cut from right here to very important information as we talked about at the beginning of the show. We meet Ed, or I think we met Ed last week. And Ed says, uh, Then I said, uh, if the gods wanted us to have dignity, he wouldn't make us fart when we died. And we we go up to Craster's camp and we we see Sam in this scene. And this was one of the first moments on the series that I kind of like Sam. I love how Sam is smiling at every girl. Like he he more than any of the other Night's Watch guys cannot deal with being in a room with all these girls. He's he is freaking out in a room in this close proximity to this many women. He is having overload, sensory overload. To yes. Vince, we not only fart, but we after we die, shortly after we die. All that's left inside us 
emits from the body. Isn't there a South Park? Isn't there a shit. South Park episode where that yes. happens, where everyone dies and they just constantly shit themselves? Like yeah, the you shit yourself after when you die. That's the thing that I'll tell you is doesn't matter if you have on clean underwear because if you die, you're shitting yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> little finger i was so glad uh that he was shaking up and begging for mercy oh yeah the, the uh we have awesome uh hatred for thorn going in the chat room right now ren says i would have poured all my knowledge and love into Tyrion to make her death worth the cost oh my goodness little finger wormhole travel the wor- little fingers t- little finger is a wormhole alien what no i'm sorry so sam <laughs> what if, what am i talking about <laughs> he's pretty the Bajoran people prayed a little finger. So Ed says, yeah, the gods want us some dignity. We wouldn't fart when we die. Gren says, we fart when we die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ed starts making fart noises. noises and this is when we really start to get into the... Oh, ba- I the, love watching women walk away. <laughs> well, I like when they walk towards me better. They, they just have a really fun conversation of guys talking. Yeah, a bunch and, of guys, a bunch of girls around. And you got to just feel good for Sam here. Just because you can tell he's never had this before. And everything that's happening for Sam right now, again, it becomes a lot more evident what Jon Snow does for Sam in the books than it is on the show, that Jon really made sure Sam found a place with everything. It's, I mean, it happens on the show as well, but but really Sam has found his place, and you, and not necessarily the Night's Watch, I just mean with these people. These are his family. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, ha- I'm happy for Sam. Vapors, 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 Oh, come on. Give, give Gren, give Gren, Gren and Ed a break. Okay, so. So ultimately, they're like, Sam, go over there. We need you to go get some more sludge, buddy. Go over there. As as Sam finds out that Gren had sex and he wants to know how many times did he do it. And Gren's like, I did it as much as I could. Spoken like every man in the world when he's a young man trying to have sex for the first couple of times. How many times did you try to do it? As much as she'd let me. Yep. I'm the gas, she's the brakes. You see the look on on his face too, right after he says that he turns around and looks at the girl. Craster let me. Oh, here we go. Craster pickup line number two. You're beautiful enough to be one of my daughters. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. Love it, Vince. Great one. Good good pickup. Pickup line number two. Yes. Also, also, also one of the fray fray lines. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I I don't even want to say where my mind was going without. I was thinking if it came out of you, I'm gonna get you too, or something like that. If if it if it comes out of you, I'm gonna get her too. Craster, pick up line number three. Fucking gross, fucking bastard. I don't enjoy. Uh, DB says I don't enjoy Sam very much, particularly in later seasons. I know Joe probably feels the opposite. He doesn't like Sam in these early seasons, right? Oh no, 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 no! I here's the thing: I love Sam in the books. I don't think they do him enough justice in the early seasons. I really enjoy. That's what him. I'm saying. That I was saying that you don't like Sam as much. You don't feel like he gets enough. Uh, they make him too. Do you, do you think they make him too craven? You think they no, make they 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 get they the actor. And the producers, the director, whatever, they get his personality and everything about him just right. They just take away a couple of key moments in his story that show his development as a character, as a man of the black 
Uh, it just there's a few things they take away that we'll get that we'll see later this season that I'll, that we'll talk about, but that that uh, I just kind of was like, oh man, this was this was important for him. This was something that will make him like makes made him better in my eyes as far as the character was in the books and they kind of just took that away from him so like i remember you kind of saying that you didn't like sam no i didn't when my first my first time through the series i was not a big right and if like these few things happen i like him much better in this watch through sorry spilled some liquid that's why i'm cleaning up keep going joe there's there's a few things that happen that would have maybe changed your mind by the end of the season about how it you know much sooner than you than it did it, instead of in season five, it would may have happened in season two for you, you know, and for a lot of people out there, they took the, those moments away. So they kind of nerfed him and his character. And there's such small moments, quick moments that there was no need to take them away. No, I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying. It, it's kind of like similar to my, minorly taking away dire wolves in certain situations because they just don't want to pay attention to doing it they're like ah we can but we can spend time on other things but then, but here's the thing what they took away from sam they gave him something completely different which kind of made him more of a little fucking shit like to a and to a lot of people like like i, I don't want to talk about that scene yet but there's a, a scene that happens that instead of what was supposed to happen that ultimately really changes that character and we get one of those scenes in this episode too so, excuse me, we will get to this. Sam, but with someone with someone else. So Sam continues. With two other people. Oh. Uh, Critch says, Sam is well drawn in the books, and the show is physical ineptness covers a lot of the books. I hope all, I hope all he becomes wolf poop. <laughs> Sam has crusty underwear from jizzing his pants every minute, says Kaylana. <laughs> They don't, they're not wearing underpants under those robes. It's too hard. You just want to get your, your junk out there quick to piss and shit. And Lady agrees with you, Joe. Completely agree. Book Sam is great in my opinion. Yeah. And and I and I and I hear which I hear what you're saying. And it probably it's probably why on this watch through I find myself finding Sam so much more charming. Because I know where it comes, so I'm I'm adding more to it. Uh from things I know in the future. So I'm using it all as understanding who Sam is, where I feel like maybe that could have, the first time I watched, I'm just like, oh, gosh, here's here's uh, John's comic sidekick. Dun, 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 dun. And, and see, I had read the book, too, before seeing season two. So everything, like, but I had already seen him in season one. So, but I thought they did a great job with the casting. I thought they did, he does a great job playing the role. It's his first acting job, too. He came right out of, uh, right out of acting school. Good job for him. Like, this is on the directors and the writers of, and the screenplay writers. This is not on him and it's not on. Yeah, it's on, it's on the director and it's on what stuff they chose to get get into the show. It's nothing about, it's nothing about the poor. It's not just what they chose to get in the show. It's that they put something brand new in the show and took away. Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get into that as we should have been there instead. (laughs) Joe's slamming down on his microphone, banging everything everywhere. That's my desk. My microphone's just sitting on, is on the desk. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get one of those hangy things I use so I can pound the desk. It has its problems too, Joe. So as Sam continues to walk, we hear a dog bark, some dogs bark, and then we hear a woman screaming as Sam turns around to see our first real introduction to our favorite 
female character in the entire show, right? Your favorite? No. Gilly. Now, Gilly's backed up against the fence post. Ghost stands in front of her in a... It, I just love seeing the dire wolves. It does look a little CGE. It, it looks small. I gotta say, you said you thought Ghost looked small. I thought Ghost looked small. I thought it looked like a regular sized wolf, maybe a little meatier, but still not much taller, not much longer than a gray wolf you might find. <laughs> they get pretty fucking big, gray wolves. They're not a small animal. Jen, Jenny, hey Jenny, Ollie has a. Few issues. Yes, he does. Vince says, Sam is perhaps the most modern character. He has the modern man's sensibilities. You can't steal her. You, you can't steal her. She's a person. <laughs> I, love that. I love that line. You can't steal her, John. She's a person. I love I Again, I love the balance. We're going to get to this in one second. I love, I love Sam and John, especially early John, who is so inflexible in his grumpiness, and, and especially in this episode. This is a very grumpy Jon Snow episode. And in his interactions with Sam. And I get why he's being like that, but it's really cool to watch the balance between them and how, again, it's character progression and you got to give credit to Kit Harrington, the actor and the show for portraying it this way to really show how Sam got to John, how it's just, he kept poking at him. It's like, come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. John, in spite of, in spite of anything else, John has a huge heart. He has a good heart. Not a good sense of humor though. A good heart. Well, he's a Stark and that's, and that's the thing. Like, he doesn't. He has a stark personality, but he also is able to find the humor in things. And and no, Sam has a big part of opening up John and and getting at John and and making John feel a little bit more. About oh, him. you'd like it if Sam opened up John, wouldn't you, oh, yeah, Joe? Yeah, 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 you would. Phil, how dare you? Oh my gosh, I'm horrible. Absolutely, squee. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, Sam. Sam is scared. He's not a coward. Eugene is a complete coward. Sam, Sam is... Uh, Sam's not a coward at all. No, no. Sam is just scared. He doesn't know he can do. Sam's a, Sam's a perpetuating self-hate because of having an abusive father that didn't understand that his son was a genius, not a warrior. When it, when it really comes foster, to... Uh, Sam the, the proper way. Right. If he had been smart enough or if he had understood that I should send Sam to be a maester or do something else or be a learned man and because that's his talent instead of looking at it as a weakness because he was such a great warrior is really why Sam has the complex of thinking that everything he does is stupid. And that's why I want to what we were talking about earlier with how Jon Snow really did save Sam by giving him things to do, introducing him to Aemon and pushing him working with Aemon so that he's in a position where he can flex that muscle and be useful. And and the old bear knew it too. You may be a he's not a coward. You may be a coward, but you're not an idiot, Tarly. So right. he he knew you were, he had use for them. Everybody's got a, everybody's got uh, something that they can contribute. You need to be able to find that and foster that and. You could have made Sam a fighter if you had done it right. If you had showed him the strategy and the in the in in the learningness, the like, if you went about it a different way than just throwing a sword in his hand and having someone hit him with it over and over again, that isn't how you teach necessarily someone how to fight. That's how you teach someone how to get beat up. Good There's point. A big difference. Good point. And I also have to say that. <laughs> right away, Sam understands, and whether it's within Ghost, and you could say that Ghost has some part of John connected to him, so he automatically respects or looks at Sam as part of his part of his pack. But he immediately he knows how he's not afraid of Ghost. 
He doesn't have any fear of ghosts. And ghosts with wolf for ghost for a while. Right, so. and I'm saying a ghost actually listens to him. I don't know if anybody, any of the other Nights Watch guys, tried that. If ghosts no, would I have been, ghost would have been as understanding. Because here's the thing, like he knows ghosts because he's good friends with John. Like, hey, that's what I'm saying. Ghost knows a, it. You have a pit bull. I'm not afraid of your pit bull because your pit bull's a sweetheart. But when people see you walking down the street with a pit bull, they might be inclined to shout things from at you from your bike because I, I exactly. But <laughs> they they might yell things like, "You're you're a bad person, you idiot, you moron, you moron, you moron, you moron." Right. Because that they might happen. And that it's that it's nurture, not nature. Yes. Most of ninety nine point nine percent of the time. And the same thing is is with this wolf. And, you know, as far as nature goes, too, there's a they could smell that fear and, and testosterone mm-hmm. and, and hormones and pheromones and all that shit. When you're scared and in, in front of a dog, they read that on you to smell it on you. They read it on you and they got to think, why is this person nervous or scared? And they start to get nervous or scared and it perpetuates you both and you both. And then something happens. And Sam is comfortable with the dog. With the wolf. <laughs> Excuse me. No, it's fine. It is, it is able the to, canid, you know, The canid form. And he's all, barking at it. He's telling it, you know, hey, knock it off, yeah, ghost. Leave her alone. <laughs> leave her. And, she, and Gilly's <laughs> holding some meat. He's like, go get some food somewhere else, right. buddy. That's not yours, ghost. Yeah, right. Down boy. A couple people are asking in the chat room if we think we're going to see more dragons and direwolves in season six of Game of Thrones. I think we'll definitely see more dragons. As for the direwolves, I don't see how we cannot get more direwolves if Bran is, Bran is back. We're at least going to see them around him they can't just shoot around summer hanging out in the same place that he is and we've got to eventually and i think we've heard or it's almost been mildly confirmed i gotta find the the links or it didn't happen i want to say someone in production said we will see nymeria again at some point and everyone or book readers know that nymeria is around is leading a pack of like a super pack of wolves somewhere in the area where yeah, of regular wolves, not of dire wolves, but of but yeah, I, I just mean it's a super like it's a giant pack it's, of wolves. It is like like this wolf, this dire wolf has gotten together all the all the like wolves in Westeros. Yeah, like has organized king in the wolves. king in the north, Joe. It's the king, king in the, and it's not in the north. Yeah. It's not in the north. It's. King of the River, yeah, and but we're we're gonna be in a similar area, so I would not be surprised if if uh, Chekhov's direwolf show up sometime. Like they are gonna show up at the opportune time. It's gonna happen. Or maybe Bran's gonna talk to Bran's gonna connect to Nymeria and use that pack to his advantage somehow, or to Stark advantage somehow in a big battle. That I mean, I honestly right now we're playing. This isn't any spoiler. This is all fucking speculation. So I that's where it's where it's such a fun point in Game of Thrones where we can just throw out this shit and we don't have to worry about anything. And I tend I think somehow that's how it will connect back. Bran will touch base with Nymeria and will connect that way. Oh my god, I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> oh yeah, ladies, I just got so excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> holy holy motherfucking shit. Can we just stop this and talk about season six now? Okay. No, let's continue. So you notice I'm like, I'm like, yep, yep. Season six stuff. Oh, you want me to talk about that? I'll talk about that now. So it's coming. It's fucking coming. So so Sam, uh, we get Sam and Gilly. Gilly's like, you shouldn't touch me. And Sam's like, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure you were hurt. And I they still smell you on me. And they both get the lightning bolt. 
you, and I think both actors play it well too. The the that the connect the eye connection the hi we're gonna hey I, oh ho 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 they both like each other or does Gilly look at him as a mark? Do you think? I I gotta say I think she kind of looks at him like a mark. She hasn't tried to talk to absolutely any other uh, black knight person that we see, and we see him particularly Sam in the first few scenes he's around here just. He can't take his eyes off of any of these girls. And then there's her in particular who's pregnant, and she's kind of, you know, it's just, it's very, uh, I think she sees him looking and ogling and drooling, and I think when she realizes that he's who he is or how he is, it's, she picks him up as a mark. Right, that sees him as some, he, you're different than the others. You have a warmth. So I'm going to use that to my advantage or see if I can use you to my advantage. Yeah. You don't, you don't <laughs> strike me as a rape. <laughs> so, so Gilly says you're brave. And uh, I just want to make sure you were hurt. You weren't hurt. So they, run up, they walk over to John. And this brave. ghost is a sweetheart. You should see the way we cuddle on the couch. And so we will go over to John, who is clean. Is he cleaning or was he sharpening the Valerian? He had to have been cleaning, right? Because you don't sharpen Valerian swords, right? You don't need to. No, you don't sharpen those. So he was cleaning it, right? Like, <laughs> he, he he couldn't have been sharpening it. He was polishing. Oh, right. Polish. No sharpen, right? He was polishing his, his pummel. <laughs> oh, I love, the, I love the speculations going on in the chat room right now. Nymeria kills Walter Frey. I'm calling it here. <coughs> Excuse me. So... I love Jon Snow in the scene so much, and I like, and I can't say enough awesome stuff about the way Kit Harrington plays this. And it almost comes off this whole interaction between Sam and Jon of 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 comedic duo team, uh, Car- Carney and Cr- Cr- uh, Gleason and Carney type stuff here, where where Sam's just playing it, playing the Art Carney Norton, oh, oh, wealthy boy, oh, we gotta kick her, we gotta help this girl, and Jon's just like, you know what? You fucking idiot. You're an idiot, Norton. It's it they just go kind of back and forth like that with it. It's it's really ha, it's, Hey, hey John, this is Gilly. She's one of Craster's daughter. And John's very Why polite. Are you talking to yeah. her? Hello, hello Gilly. What are you doing, Sam? And this switch like what are you doing? <laughs> Sam said you could help. I'm sorry. Sam knows we're not supposed to. She's pregnant. What? He's just like, "What?" I know this sounds mad. No, it doesn't sound mad. It sounds impossible. We have to take her with us. What? <laughs> Sam, we can't take her with us. Please, please, sir. I have to run. And John goes, okay. Like I, like, I don't understand. Sam, she's pregnant. Like, she's, like, for for all we've seen, like, all of these women are his daughters. You've got to take this one with you. What if it's a boy? What if it's a girl? What if it's, like, you need to take the baby boy or on your way back, really? we got to take her with us on our way back. Just makes no sense, Sam. Where's your fucking head for all your smarts? Like, where? Like, Norton, you're a fucking moron, Norton. Oh, oh Ruffy boy, uh, we're gonna take her with us, and she's gonna come. I got a baby boy, Ruffy boy. You fucking idiot, Sam. Come on, dude. And I just love how John caught. And again, this is what I love about Game of Thrones so much. He calls him out, and he's just like, "You're an idiot." And, but Sam's innocence is just frustrating. It's it's one of those things that you just can't cope with because he's just so like with this line. So Sam, we can't take her. Please, please, sir, we can't take her. It's, and she goes, "I'm having a baby boy. If it's a baby boy." And then John becomes interested. If it's a baby boy, what? You want us to risk our lives for you, and you won't even tell us why. Does she? 
And she gives a look. Did she think that they knew? Did she she wasn't prepared for them to ask those kind of questions? I don't know. She just gets freaked out and she runs away. I know, again, in the book, she does actually tell him. He doesn't see it like he sees it at the end of the episode. She actually tells John uh, what happens. But this she should have said, you know, <clears throat> they're giving up the other baby boy that was born today. She should have told him about what was going to go down tonight. Yeah, I agree, too. And I think and again, I want to say in the book, she does. LaDonna, welcome. Welcome. And uh, and welcome uh, welcome our friend and what is your what was your comment? I want Arya and Nymeria to hunt Ramsay down, flipping the Ramsay dog hunt. She flayed him too, and the dog eats his skin. Ha <laughs> ha! I think everybody in the chat. I can speak for most of the people in the chat right now and say say we would all love to fucking see that. So then we get the again a, fu- a fucking amazing scene with Sam and John. What? Why did you do that, John? Do what, you fucking moron? You were cruel. Cruel? Sam, are you in a hurry to lose a hand? I didn't touch her. No, you just want to steal her. What, what do you think Craster what do you think Craster would do uh, for that? And we get Sam's amazing line that I just I just love it so much. That the, we can't steal her. How can we steal her? She isn't a she's a person. You can't steal a person. Oh no. No, you can't. You can't. How can you steal her? Right, and that's just it. We got to take her with us. Why she can just follow on her own? And she mentions that too. I kind of uh, I skipped over that a little bit, but she mentions that. Excuse I can me. just leave. You can't. Stop. Yeah, I can just I can just leave. Tell me if you're not going to help me. Right. So, just leave on the heels or in front of. The pack of fucking crows. But Craster come and drag you back in front of all the fucking crows. It's just a prisoner girl. It's just a stupid plan, and it just sounds. No, it sounds a bit mad. No, it doesn't sound a bit mad. It's impossible. It's just not possible. It's impossible. He's just inconceivable. You should have said that. You should have thrown an inconceivable in there. Holy motherfucking shit. LaDonna says, that Sam John Gilly scene is a clear foreshadowing of Sam bringing forth some children senses, pups she dreams of. Uh, Dean McKinley, she's a person, not a goat. Yeah, I forgot that she's a person, not a goat. I can't steal her. She's a person, not a goat, John. (laughs) And John just gives, again, gives them that. What the fuck? We've all had those people in our lives that you you face them with, like, pure logic, and they just say the most ridiculous thing back to you. That's so true. (laughs) That's so true. Exactly, Joe. That is so true at core that you can't disagree with them, and they're like, well, you're not wrong, Walter, but you're an asshole. It's, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Tom. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Sam. So uh, John says we're heading deeper, deeper into wilding territory. We can't take a girl with us. Mormon wouldn't have it. And even if we could, what would we do with her? You, Who's going to deliver the baby? You? And he's like, basically yelling at him. And Sam goes, well, I could try. <laughs> John just looks so annoyed. And as Sam goes, what? I've, I can, I've read about it a bit. And John goes, I'm sorry, Sam. We can't help her. And just thinks dumbass. And he sits down and he goes back to doing whatever he was doing with his sword. Unbelievable. In fucking conceivable. And LaDonna says, Sam, wizard in the making. <laughs> You're a wizard, Tarly. <laughs> fucking, yeah. fucking Tarly. Holy shit. Okay, so let's continue on as we go to Esos. Is it Essos or Esos? Essos. Essos with, with the uh, no, the 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 soft e. Essos. Yeah. 
Okay, so we go to the desert. The desert pans across Daenerys' people, many of whom have looked tired and weak. We see Jorah and Daenerys sit near each other. After a few moments, Jorah lingers and he takes a sip of some of his water. And then he sighs because you can tell he's not drinking as much as he would want. And then we can see a horse approaching through the through the sun. A riderless horse. A riderless horse. And Jorah goes up and looks and he ultimately finds a head in a bag. And it... And he says, Khaleesi, don't look at this. Daenerys looks up at the horse. Jorah gets up. The horse is covered in red paint. He walks over to it. A soaking wet sack is attached to it. Some hair can see. Red paint or blood? Blood. Or it looks, it's, it looks, it looks like red paint. (laughs) Some hair can be seen poking out of the top. Flies can be heard. Jorah feels the hair. And Daenerys gets up from where she's sitting to approach the horse. Jorah pulls out the, uh, the ponytail too. Yeah, the ponytail, revealing that it's a human head and then puts it back in the sack. He, Jorah picks up the ponytail of the head, which has been cut off. Jorah says, you don't need to see this. Daenerys goes, he's my blood of my blood. And I, I like, this is the Daenerys I like. I like when she's faced to go off stuff and her go-to is to be like, all these people are going to die. I love that that is her go-to. Yeah, some, some threat is you're dying in the sun. This is one of the riders you sent out to go find a place of haven, an oasis somewhere <laughs> in the middle of this red waste. Joe Madden says, soaking wet sack? Question mark? Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I, I, this was more like, like big talk from a, a, a girl who has a bunch of like half-dead slaves poking through the desert. <laughs> Like, she's half dead. Jorah, they're all half dead at this point, really. Yeah, they will like it far less when I'm done with them, Joe. So, Eerie, I think her name is, starts freaking out. They killed his soul. And Daenerys says they can't kill his soul. They did. They butchered him like an animal. They didn't burn his body, which is the Dothraki custom. And he can never join it. Ponytail. Right, he can never join his ancestors in the Night's Land. Mad disrespect. Daenerys says, no, we will build a funeral pile, pyre and... Daenerys addresses Eerie again, holding her head, and I promise you, and really intensely, she says, I promise you, he will ride with his ancestors tonight as he comforts her. And she cries really loudly, (laughs) really fucking loudly. And it is worth mentioning that one of her, this blood rider, I believe, again, is alive in the books. He's off riding through the red waste. I want to say there's something to do with he finds, like, dragon bones or some shit. God, it's been so long since I read this. I think uh, only one comes back, I thought. I thought the rest came back dead. I, I know this one's still alive, though. And I think, again, slight changes. We don't want to dwell too much on it. But uh, but were yeah, any of the these? I remember the books was they all died, but one came back. This one came back. The other one they assumed dead, and then this one. And were there any of these blood riders real brothers of Khal Drogo? Says asks E Martinez. No, I just think there are other Carls in the power struggle after he is gone, where he was the most powerful Kalsar. But that's one of the things I feel like the show didn't do that well uh, specifically where he where you see Khal Drogo's horde invading that area uh, they don't make it seem big enough they don't make it seem big enough and they don't make it seem like there's lots of other groups of Carl's around like by the time he dies they're up to like 80,000 or something right like, yeah and he, that's just the biggest group there's many other groups of smaller groups around yeah there's like t- groups of 20,000 and 10, in the place 000. where he ends up getting cut in this in the series when they're there in the books there's like three or four other also hoarding Hoarding, uh, hoarding Kalasars that are there, but trying to split up everything. So that's one of the things that causes conflict and stuff. 
and build a fire. The red asks, "Build a fire with what? They're in a fucking desert. Sand is sand is burnable, right? LOL." <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! And thank you so much for. Uh, oh, I I did, I'm not taking a look at the image right now, but I look forward to seeing it in a second. DB uh, posted something in our Google uh, Google Plus group that we have our community group that if you haven't already joined, please join. You can find the link to it in the description box below or in the chat live. Uh, lady, I believe Lady Squee posted that in the room, so. Check that out and please join the group. We have a lot of fun in there day to day with all of our fun friends posting awesome Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, and some of our other shows, pictures and thoughts, and just helping us get through the crazy weeks. So it's, it's some fun stuff. If you haven't already joined, up in that group. So anyways, uh, so Danny, that scene cuts off with, with, this, with Eerie just crying really, 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 really loud. <laughs> So I really I wrote as we cut to the Iron Islands, which is really the centerpiece of. Oh, what a great scene! It really is a great scene, and the mix of locations this season, just in general, was really awesome. To go from the desert right to Pike, it was just a, a really fun transition of and seeing Theon and Theon so happy on the boat and him glowing and. Oh, the ships, the captain's daughter. Oh, it's so great. And, yeah, the captain's virgin daughter. The captain's virgin daughter. Oh, yeah. She's been had by many a sailor. (laughs) And this was a fun scene to listen to. And probably by dad many a time. This is a fun scene to listen to Alfie Allen talk about watching himself. He's just like, oh, yes. When he's, when he's like, throwing the woman around, he's like, yes, that's how I am in my normal life. Uh, Alfie Allen's an actually a very funny person that doesn't take his acting himself very seriously. He's very self-deprecating on his performance. He's like, I just suck. Oh, I'm awful. And, and it's, it's almost slightly endearing. But it distracts from watching the episode, so I kind of kept turning off the DVD commentary. But he was funny. He was really funny in this particular scene. And of course he's got a he's got a whore and he cuts to him on the ship looking and Theon's talking but having sex with this girl and or everything looks bigger when you're a child, she says. I remember my father's cabin felt like a palace when I was little. But the way she says it, I think this was really good casting of the whore too. She she was really funny in this little role. She plays, oh my god, stupid, really well and innocent. Yeah, she, she played that really well. Oh, make me a captor. Take me with you. Make me a salt wife. I'll be your second, third wife. Welcome, John Tingley. Off this goddamn fucking boat. Welcome, welcome. We've got our good friend John Tingley tuning in. Hope all is well, Phil from ECCB Productions. Someone, if you can check out a trailer on his channel, I did a voice for him for an upcoming cartoon thing, and I might work with him again in the future. He does some really funny stuff, so if you can take a look at that, I will put a link to that video in the description below of this video. Check out his stuff. Very funny stuff. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast, buddy. Thank you. Oh! <laughs> Sorry about that. So the, he basically, Theon, she's basically like, will you make me a salt wife? And Theon's like, no, bitch, turn around. <laughs> and he just starts begging her from behind. And uh, try smiling with your lips closed. <laughs> he, he's just so bad. Like, that reminds me of the Bill Murray, uh, King, not Kingpin, no, Kingpin, when he goes, hey, you. No, not you. You. It's it's yeah. it's just such such slime baggery. And they talk about this in the commentary, and it's worth mentioning. I just love the character of Theon, especially watching it now, knowing everything that's to come. It's 
it's just really funny thinking about do you feel bad for Theon? Like everything that even that happens to him in this episode. It, do you feel bad for what happens? But he's such a pompous dick that it's so hard to feel bad for him. The first time I watched, I didn't. I was like, fuck this guy. But if you think about everything that happens to him coming up here, what his sister does to him, what his father does to him, uh, how the welcome he thinks he's going to get, and the way they demean him and everything like that. But it's the self-loathing built in him. He had a no somewhere. He shouldn't have walked in there wearing the clothes he was wearing. Like, didn't he? Doesn't you know anything about no, his own people? No, he's been even his dad says it when he finally gets up there. His his dad says it. He says, you know, nine years they've had you for nine years. They had you longer than I had you. Right. So he's only like seventeen, right? So he was eight when he left. Like all these kind of little things that you know you learn, but by the time you're eight, like they don't mean anything unless you they keep getting backed up until you're seventeen. You know, so like they're kind of distant memories to him, and he's been having like Stark shit beaten to his head, and you know, going to Stark school and learning from Stark nannies and all this shit. And it's uh, no, he he it he has no clue. Vaughn says Theon was a jerk, but didn't deserve all of that. Sam says, "Are you kidding me?" Are you kidding me? Let me, fi- let me finish it. Hold on, hold on, Joe. Theon is first and the only time I feel bad for Theon. He's welcome to the Iron Islands, and he's welcome with his sister. Theon was a shit face, but he didn't deserve it all completely. I have so much faith in Theon, says E. Martinez. Joe, how do you feel about all that? Are you kidding me? Okay, he he, he betrays Rob Stark. He, wait, okay. well, yes, he was so yes, nice to Stark in the last episode, too. The for, last fucking episode. For his, for his daddy, though. Okay, but he still betrays Rob Stark. Not only that, he's, he kills the two Miller boys. He kills uh, a bunch of people at Wilt Winterfell. Maybe his sons. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely deserved what has happened to him. Uh, LaDonna like, Louise says, yeah, I sincerely doubt the Starks ever told uh, told them little about the Ironborns except history. Can't see Ned going on and on about Palon. Right, or like, or how you need to go rape and pillage the countryside for your gold trinkets because your dad would be upset if you bought them with the gold coins you earned from, you know, your allowance or plowing farms or some bullshit or whatever, however you decided to be. Winter is coming, but Theon isn't. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Sam says, I agree with you, Joe, and so does DB. Joe, I'm with you. Uh, Al Red Sox, Theon is a dick. Uh, Okay, a lot of bad shit a lot of bad shit like he had his johnson removed certainly you would feel bad for varies who had his shit fucking cut off a lot sooner than you would feel bad for fucking yeah but if we're i mean we're, we're going all over the place with spoilers tonight so if you have if you haven't watched future fuck it we're just we're open pandora's yeah, this, bo- yeah, no, yeah. we open pandora's <laughs> box tonight uh but if like with theon ultimately this what were you doing Ultimately, he's he is a victim of his own. The difference between him and Varys is Varys didn't have a lot of control over it. Theon had. Theon was a victim of his own devices. He 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 did the things that caused his dick to be cut off. He wasn't just kidnapped and his dick was th- cut off in some sort of spell like ritual for, towards a weird god. Like Theon actually caught. He might not have done the cutting himself, but he he caused everything. Every, he caused everything. Everything is his fucking fault. Like, even when you when when you're in the book, like the the character that does these things to him, he has done bad shit or treated like absolute dog shit before, like 
like their story is deeper in the book, right? <laughs> so, like even even in Ramsey's point of view, <laughs> most of the shit that Ramsey does to him is probably. <laughs> you know right to do and then ramsey's a, a child of the north you know he his liege lord was stark he was his family is a bannerman to stark so when theon does this shit that he does and even the killing of the miller's boys and taking of winterfell that's an attack by an iron island fucking cocksucker on the north Again, so there's even more of a reason that makes it right for Ramsey to kind of do the shit that he did to him. You can't just take it that Ramsey's a psychotic fuck. Like, there's a lot of hatred in, in between the North and the I and I. By the way, you know, Nick... raiding up and down the coast for for centuries. Joe, like, by the way, like next... and thieves. Next time on Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares, the Theon edition. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, D- Dean McKinley. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Vince says, how can people not understand Theon's conflict of identity? Nine years with one family, nine with another. Of course, he's going to feel conflicted, and ultimately most people would choose blood. I also think that, I also think that Balon really... Balon is a master manipulator, or definitely knows how to manipulate his son, and he... He pushed him a bit too far. He knew he got him to do what he wanted, and then he just kept pushing. There was a certain point where he could have pulled back and given his son a little bit of credit, a little bit more responsibility, and not made him feel like such a like he needed to prove himself constantly. Well, Theon went in there like a fucking peacock. No, I'm talking about later on, but yeah, in this situation, I'm talking about after he got baptized and all of that, like okay. after he kind of submitted everything, and his father on the show anyways, gives him a shit ship and gives him a shit assignment. He could have put him on, made put him as a part of uh, Yara's fleet or something, something like that. He could have done, given him something a little bit more of honor for for betraying Rob Stark and siding with his family. Instead, he kept shitting on him like, you're still not one of us. You're still a fucking nobody, and you're still this. And he, he went a little too far after already manipulating. He couldn't, he couldn't let it go because of always feeling castrated that he couldn't, he couldn't beat everybody else of what happened. But one thing that is, is interesting, when he gets into blaming the Starks and blaming the Starks, the Starks weren't the only people that killed his kids. Everybody killed his fucking kids. Everyone was against them. It wasn't just the Starks. It, like, why isn't he pissed off? The Lannisters were in that fight, too. So were, so were the Baratheons. So were and the, and a lot of people. Is, is it was part of the reason to keep Theon with uh, Ned Stark was not just it, instead of, like, with Robert or with someone else mm-hmm. in the South— it was to keep him close enough anyway that he could be visited by Balon or family members. You know, it wasn't to necessarily keep him away from them. They're, I mean, they're not that far away from the... Oh, yeah, they are. The Iron Islands are kind of really close to Lannisport. They're much, much further south. Yeah, so... South of the of the fray, so... So I just th- – Theon sealed his fate the moment he burned the letter. He was going to save Rob uh, – DB says, I hate how the show downplays the importance of the Greyjoys. They're supposed to be coming back this season, correct? Yes, they are absolutely coming back, or it seems that way. Sam says, he even admitted to Ramsay that he screwed up by turning turncoat when he tells Ramsay that his real father lost his head in King's Landing. And I think ultimately in his darkest moments – he does think he made a mistake that betraying Rob Stark. He probably thinks that that was a complete mistake on all points. <clears throat> so 
ultimately, we kind of just already talked about all this. He fucks the girl, gets off the boat, and and we cut from oh, this is cut in a couple parts. So we we get the whole Theon and this woman having sex. At, funny, a father will punish me after after you leave. They'll call me a whore. They'll call me a whore. I haven't paid for you. As he flips her over, and they yeah, yeah, you're not a whore. You're a slut, baby. <laughs> As we cut from this sex scene to another sex scene to the prostitute men in black scene where we see a prostitute fuck it, we we're at little fingers brothel and we see someone fucking somebody then we see through a pee hole that someone's getting blown while they're watching the person get fucked and watching everything from a distance is from another pee hole <laughs> it's like it's like a Russian doll situation here going or, on or is he is he watching through another pee hole as the uh, as Someone storms out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of peepholing going on in this moment. And all that's the- awesome though. Like like your fetish is while you're fucking, you want to avoid or someone else fucking. Like go to Peter Baelish's whorehouse of Re- happy of happy endings. Like at what point did did Baelish buy this place? He goes every every door needs a people. He created. He created like. Uh, I don't know if anyone watches uh, American Horror Story this season, but where they have this guy that creates the the hell house, the, the perfect hotel for death. So it, it's, is it this that when uh, Littlefinger buys an establishment, he's like, okay, this place would work for me. It's like someone coming in, to, <laughs> but we need we need more peepholes. Like he has someone. This is, the, this is the torture room, and that can be looked in on from the voyeur room, which can be looked in on from the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we can do this. We can work this out. Uh, th- we're a little off with the chat. Uh, Jet rents as Joe. That was what confused me. If he hated his son, why didn't he have value as a hostage? And E. Martinez says, if it was Theon and I went to see my father after all those years and he rejected me, I would have went back to Rob. Vince says, yeah, could someone explain the scene to me? Why is one person getting a blowjob and another person having sex through a peephole? Is that getting him off? Yeah, hell yeah. So, you know, you like to watch your porn while you have sex. Yeah, some people are voyeuristic. They like it. Yeah. They like being watched or watching. Their wife or husband, you know, having sex with other people as well. Yeah. And we ultimately hear hear a woman crying and a guy shows up in the room where Baelish is peepholing in the peephole and the peephole. And it's a man saying, I barely touched her and you charge twice oh, as much yes. as the other brothels. Well, it costs a lot to get these peepholes put in it's a lot of money she started crying i didn't even whip out my pecker and she started crying what the fuck baelish <laughs> i'm sorry everybody that the chat is acting funky uh youtube as we as i mentioned the youtube streaming service is getting all wacky and they're doing they're rolling out updates fortunately they were able to recover our video from last week i was in talks with this support which i have can't say enough good things about my friend aaron and youtube support that helped me through the process of getting that video back that it almost wasn't back so i really like to thank him for that and he basically told me uh that everything is a working progress and they're aware of issues and they're going to try to deal with it so yeah lady squeeze hh holmes from the world's fair so i'm i apologize might there's also <clears throat> he might actually be jack the ripper too <clears throat> thoughts that hh holmes the guy that built the real murder hotel so, uh, might have actually been <clears throat> him too kind of cool 
so Baelish snaps his finger and a woman emerges from the other room and she's covered in gold jewelry, but she also has she has a little bit of cum on the side of her face. So he gives her a cloth I love that. I love that. to wipe the semen off. And then she just goes and starts making out with there the guy. Go, yep, she's still right for it. She sticks her tongue down. And Baelish just does everything but dry gag in his mouth. He's just like No, he loves it. I think that turned him on. You think that turned him on a little bit? What do you think? What turns Peter Baelish on? I mean Money. Money and power. Catelyn Stark, obviously, but that's because of the power, right? Yep. The money and power. See, what's turning him on isn't the fact that she's kissing in front of him. It's that she he got this guy to stick around and have some other dudes come in his mouth. That's power to him. That's him pulling scenes, and this guy's got no idea what's going on, and he loves that. That makes him hard. <laughs> really shows how fucking creepy Littlefinger is, says uh, Joe Madden. Yes, Ren says, love, and Lady Squeeze says, love the cleaning off the horse scene. Just funny yeah. stuff. Uh, and somebody says, where we go? He's a pimp. He's a pimp, and he, and, he, and he shows it right here. He walks in right afterwards. He walks over to go see Roz. He, clean, he cleans her up, slaps her ass, and sends her off. Ja- yeah. And one quick thing. Joe Madden says, Ozzy Man has a great video of Littlefinger's compilation set through Radiohead. Creep. Can't say enough great things about that. That is really awesome. If you haven't already, definitely check out Ozzy Man's reviews channel. He's uh, he's one of the best. He's pretty funny. Yeah, he's, he's, a funny, he's a funny fucking bastard. So... Uh, Cannot say enough good things about Ozzy, man. So uh, Baelish says, please accept my sincerest apologies and Ramka will take good care of you. Uh, So he walks into the other room, as Joe was saying, and he sees walks into the other room and Roz is curled up in the bed crying. And at first, Littlefinger looks like if he had walked into this situation and Roz had said, he hurt me. He choked me out, or well, he did something. He crossed a line. I think Littlefinger would have been whipped in the alley. Right, I, exactly. I think Littlefinger would have been supportive. But the fact of what Roz is really upset at, I f- he, he would have been whipped in the alley, <laughs> but not because he hurt her, but because he hurt her without paying. Without paying extra, yeah. Without checking that box on the where do you want the masseuse to circle right. here? Without checking that box and getting a girl that's into that. You don't give you don't give your madam to a, someone that's going to beat her. You give one of the you know, Roz is too important to Littlefinger, essentially, for that, to be, to be in that kind of position. Unless why, he's going to make good bank off Vince it. says, why does Littlefinger have a whorehouse? He's the master of coin. I think because... It was, he had whorehouses before he became the master of coin. Right, it was part of what he built. His, it's his bread and butter. It's because he was he he has a more than one whorehouse. He has a quite a few in King a few in King's Landing, maybe even outside of King's Landing. He's got littler whorehouses. <laughs> He's got his finger in a lot of different businesses, not just the whorehouses, which is one of his prominent businesses. And because of those whorehouses, he gets secrets. He gets whispers, just like the you know the spider, the master of secrets, the master of whispers there. So he's like. He's like Varys' greatest uh, adversary in the war of knowledge and and like <laughs> secrets and all that. As shit. we as we've said many times, the whole entire series could be called a chess game between Littlefinger and Varys. Right. So when you start telling the the king, who's also a, a known fucking whoremonger, that you got the best whores from Lys and from Carth and from all over the fucking world, who can suck your crack off the most? <laughs> suck your <you> know, crack off. <laughs> 
better than anybody else on the on the planet. The king says, hey, you know, you're a smart guy. I love what you've done with this place. Look at all the peepholes. Maybe you want to work my uh <laughs> Littlefinger's basically the Nucky money. Littlefinger's basically the Nucky Thompson of King's Landing. So a yes. great, great, great way of Good saying call. that. And I also to address a question that's going on in the chat now too. The Maybe money that Littlefinger makes oh. in these whorehouses <laughs> is that's money that he gives to the crown. I He's the one that handles the crown's finances, so I'm sure he gives the crown their cut. But yeah, he, I mean, he he gets taxed just like everybody. You may you may not be able to tax each individual blowjob, but you can certainly say as the crown, "Hey, Littlefinger, you know, you're running a business. You owe us." And you don't like it? We'll fucking burn your whole house down, take your whores, and hang you from the wall. Yep. And we got to think about also last week when the Kingsguard didn't give two shits that it was Littlefinger's establishment. Exactly. You know, he he's just he's a a merchant essentially, and happens to be working as the the kingdom's accountant. So he sits on the on the small council and ends up giving a lot of advice because he's so knowledgeable about people and their secrets. But ultimately, he's there to tell them we can't afford to build new ships, we can't afford to clean up the streets, we can't, or or maybe we can afford to hire a few more guards. We've lost a few, this and that kind of shit. He's master of coin. He's, but that's a powerful position because nobody really knows the books, but you. <laughs> and we get this amazing monologue by Peter Baelish, and I'm going to read it all because I fucking love it. You know, you remind me of another girl, a lovely thing I once acquired from a pleasure house, beautiful like you and intelligent as yourself, but oh, but I, I'm sorry, I have to read it like Peter Baelish. Well, she wasn't happy. <laughs> he, read, he does it in this, like, that low, that low Baelish voice, but she wasn't happy. She cried often. I asked her why, but we didn't have that kind of... Oh, no, he does it, in a, and Peter Baelish does it very soft and caring, he sounds like he's actually trying to help her here. But he yeah. does it in that serious, low, Baelish voice. When Then he switches right. the voice when he says, at the end, bam, voice. Just, very close to the end. When take he starts take to off the night. Yeah, take off the night. But, uh, but she wasn't happy. She cried off, and I asked her why. We didn't have the same kind of rapport that you and I have. It was quite sad. Girls from the pleasure houses are expensive, really expensive. And, this and that's when it starts to turn, because he doesn't say, like, like, oh, and I just couldn't make her happy. This is when he gets he, intense he and kind of like his loss and not her loss. Like she was sad about something, but she couldn't tell me what and how to make it better. And it was costing me money. So ultimately, that's the bottom line here, bitch. You're making me money. I'll give you the night off. But hey, that's it. You come back here in the morning and there's nothing but smiles and blowjobs from you or I'm going to sell you to fucking Joffrey or Ramsey or some other sick bastard that's going to really have fun with you. Yep. Yep. Wasn't making me any money. I, I hate bad investments. I really do. They haunt me. I have no idea how to make a happy, no idea how to mitigate my losses. A very wealthy slave? a very wealthy patron. He offered me a tremendous amount of money to let him transform his lovely, sad girl to use her in ways that could never occur to most men. And you know what occurs to most men? I would would not say he succeeded in making her happy, but losses were definitely mitigated. As he stands up, bam, another voice change. Take tonight's off to mourn the child. I'll see you tomorrow, but you'll be happy, right? And as Rods goes, yes, he's like, that'll make me happy. Now, do you like to answer, to ask a question that just got rolled by in the chat? Do you like his performance as Littlefinger? Absolutely. I think it's brilliant. I'm not a huge fan of his. I think... Uh... I think he does like the same thing in every movie I've seen him in, but I really like this guy. I didn't love him in the I didn't love him in the wire, to be honest. I didn't I like didn't, I, I thought he was okay in the wire. I didn't love him in the I didn't guy. like his I accent in the wire. Nights. His accent really bothered me in the wire. Yeah. 
and he does the same kind of thing in Shanghai Nights with with an accent, yeah. with this with this tone. Like when you actually hear him talking in real life, he doesn't have this like weaselly kind of ratty fucking thing that he does and he does real well someone says yeah but he's too obviously manipulative people seem to be stupid trusting for him stop trusting him whereas little finger in the book often gets described as someone that you would trust but he's actually like you you want to trust him and he seems trustworthy but really is manipulative behind closed doors of it he it's the smiling face in the show he comes off very so, obviously as a manipulator like anyone that wouldn't know this guy was a manipulator is an idiot Right, you walk into a used car lot knowing you're about to deal with a fucking used car salesman. I'm not saying anything that they're bad people. They're very good people, a lot of them. But, like, you get the feeling like you're going to be getting ripped off or whatever just because you're buying a used car. It has nothing to do with the person. Like, Peter Baelish is a pimp. He is a fucking pimp. Like, he will <laughs> sell his horse to pretty bad people. And that's what I, I, I don't understand. Peoples, peoples. Why can't Ross just get up and leave? Like, you're going to what? You're going to sell me to who? Like, you, you, I'm not profitable to you. I'm nothing but Is she like Anakin's you. mother? Is she, is she owned by Littlefinger like, now? I'm taking, I'm taking up bed space upstairs. Does she have a like, bracelet really? that's going to explode if she doesn't leave or something like that? Yeah. Like, uh, peoples, peoples. Need some peoples. We got the luckiest peoples in the whole entire world. Peoples. And oh my goodness! Like he says in season in uh, season two, episode one, everyone here is a liar, and they're all better than you. <laughs> DB, I don't get that vibe. I think he's just Varus. He's just like Varus, who's manipulator. Yet people trust him as well. Littlefinger sold off Sansa too. So much for Stark love. He's not a Vince says he's not a pimp. He's a politician and a social. Social climber. He's a master of coin. He's not a pimp. He just crushed a lot. <laughs> Sam says, yes, Joe. That's the perfect description of Littlefinger. He is so a used car salesman. I, and I agree. I think that is, a, that is an actu- actually a really good way of, uh, of putting out, like, you know you're going to get fucked, but you're going fu- to have to just deal with right. it. Eventually, you have to trust one of them. Yep. So here we go as we cut to our next scene. I just love – I like – I thought this was a. I thought that was a really good scene, and I really like seeing Littlefinger, seeing more exploration of Littlefinger on the sh- on the show. Obviously, because we actually get inside his head a little bit, something we never really get too much in the books. Seeing things, when seeing scenes like this, and seeing him threaten somebody, it's uh, it's really fun stuff. <laughs> seeing seeing Littlefinger threaten somebody is really fun. Okay, so we cut to. Uh, Maybe the best episode in the entire universe ever, but a, but a really fucking awesome scene of Podrick motherfucking pain and pouring some wine for Tyrion and Janos Slint after. And I want to say I might have messed up last week and said that when uh, Janos Slint stabbed the baby and said Marin Trent slapped stabbed the baby, but. But obviously, but I, I can't remember. I was a little buzzed at the end of that particular podcast last week. So, but it's it's uh, Tyrion has brought Jono Slint there to talk to him and, about what he did to the babies, and basically it's just the, it's the word is everywhere that all these kids were just murdered. Yep. Robert had a lot of bastards. It wasn't just one murder in the brothel, and and that like we saw a couple of cutscenes of these guards killing uh, little boys and girls, but. Really, there was massive kill. There was at least like, I want to say 12 to 20, something like that, of kids in King's Landing that were killed. And Robert might have like 
dirty <laughs> bastards or some shit like that. That nobody just he fucked a lot. Oh, I just he fucked and fucked and fucked. Oh, speaking of fucking, I just love seeing Podrick Payne in this situation. So Tyrion says, "Leave us, Podrick. I believe we know how to pour our own wine." Jenna says, "Is this your new squire?" Uh, could have found your proper lad. I prefer the improper ones. And this is just a really fun interaction between the two of them where Tyrion immediately mani- is like manipulating this like little loser and knowing he's going to fucking put the hammer down at any point in time. Uh, my lord, call me Tyrion. I'm sure you get used to these fine dinners now that you're a lord. Maybe if I hire this cook of yours, wars have been started for less. Ha ha ha. I was able to sip wine. Tyrion says, I heard there was some trouble in Littlefinger's broth the other night. Yeah, nasty business had to be done. Yes, of course, City Watch must keep the peace. Only I hadn't realized that peace depends on killing babies. Slint says, orders are orders. And Tyrion's like, quite right, especially the queen's orders. Jonas says, I never said it was the queen's orders. No, but who else would want to murder? Uh, he doesn't pick up on that at all. No. He doesn't. Tyrion just completely glazes over that comment of his. No, and that's part of the problem where he's so focused on Cersei. Yep. He's so focused on Cersei. So he doesn't see what's to come later, just to say just to say that. So who else would want to kill King Robert's bastard? She's always been a jealous woman. You know your sister better than I. You've heard their awful rumors about my brothers and sisters. He plays the good good you know weasel here and Tyrion's like that's good for you you've but you've heard the rumors I suppose people who believe in that filth consider Robert's bastards to have a better claim on the throne and he just keeps going back and forth and and it's just really funny how he eventually just late he just uses his superior intellect and his superior way to just talk him into a bubble and this dude feels it coming he can he can absolutely it starts out kind of like a like a, a nice meal or something and like very quickly goes bad and Jonas really picks up on it. He but. does. And again, I love so much. A lot more is made in the book about how Jonas Slint is given Harrenhal and how big of a deal that is. And Tywin doesn't really like that. And no one really likes that. And so Tyrion is like completely for the first time in his life in a situation where he fully has his father's support to do what he needs to do in this situation. Cersei can't do dick about it because his father probably would do the same thing. I wouldn't give a fucking a Harrenhal to Jonas Slint. Fuck that bullshit. Jon Slint is a douche. And right, which which makes it even more like someone's people aren't paying attention here. Mm-mm. And we get two of Tyrion's funniest lines to date. Janus, uh, when your men slaughtered Ned Stark's men in the throne room, did you, did you give the order? Janus says, I did and I would again. The man was a traitor. He tried to buy my loyalty. And Tyrion says, the fool, he had no idea you were already you bought. Janus is like, are you drunk? I will not have my honor questioned by an imp. I'm not questioning your honor, Lord Janus. I'm denying its existence. Right, so awesome. I fucking love that. Love it. It's so fucking amazing. Great. Just one of the best fucking... Okay, we've talked about this a lot before. If Peter Dinklage wants your girl, Peter Dinklage is getting your girl. If Peter wants a crow on his back, he's going to be like, Joe, I'm taking your crow and there's nothing you can do about it. It's part of it is... You don't want to get into a position where he is a, he is ragging on you. And Tyrion Lannister is because ra- Tyrion, when he digs in, he knows he just is so perfect at that. And it's part of it is when you're oppressed, when you're when you're dealing. Not to mention to be in a family like the Lannisters, where everyone's such such witty witty blonde cocksucker. You know, I I see your blonde hair and your shit talk. They're one of those families that always argue and always go at each other. And Tyrion has to fight with the only weapon he had, which was his mind. He he's not someone you fuck with. And this is just a really fun scene. 
Vince says, Janos gets too much hate. He's a common man, a butcher who's rise from rags to riches by the grace of the Lannisters, and thus loyal to them. He had children to feed. And I, no doubt he is one of those people that doesn't question orders. And I think it's just to piggyback on your point, it's easy to see that Tyrion doesn't think about things the way that someone even like Braun does. Braun's like, yeah, I kill a kid. I just ask how much. The capper of the scene. It's it's not so much the killing the children that bothers Braun too much. It's the it's the not getting paid for it. So so I hear what you're saying. Jano Slint, we find out later, is he's just kind of a douchey douche. He's not really an evil guy. He's just sort of like a douchey foot soldier that you're right, essentially is just trying to do whatever he can for his family and realize that the Lannister is probably the best bet for him financially. They made him the best deal. He's, he's slimy. He's not like an evil dude. He's just slimy. So, <laughs> oh, please, Vince, says Joe Madden. <laughs> and fit, we, and uh, we're about to get the oh, please for me, too. Hey, I was trying. I'm trying. I like, to, I like trying to argue Devil's advocate. But I do think he's like a worthless douche more than he's an evil guy. If yeah. that makes sense. I know stabbed Phil. I'm waiting for this. Phil, he stabbed a baby. Right, when one of his guards couldn't do it, he stepped up and slipped that baby. Right, so he saw that as an opportunity because because he knew he'd be killed or he'd be punished if he didn't do what the king's orders or the queen's orders were. Queen's re- queen regent, and I right. and I'm a fool to think that he's uh he, he's my friend. <laughs> I have friends. <laughs> I have friends. Yes, you do. Here's the thing, you fool. Like Baelish says, that it was handled poorly. Yeah, it was handled poor, poorly. You know, he could have taken the baby out of the. You know, and killed them off somewhere else, so nobody ever knew if the baby was alive or dead, just gone. Yeah, it wasn't, it, the whole situation was not handled well. Uh, Al Red Sox fan says, he followed the orders and pays the price in a stand-up, feel-good moment. Nice head head roll, Janos. Janos says family in the book, yes. Janos finds the right people to have his back. Well, according to South Park, there's a reason to kill babies. <laughs> okay, so... You think I'll sit here and take this from a dwarf? Dwarf, you should have stopped at Imp, motherfucker. And yes, you will stand there and take it from me, unless you want to take it from my friend who just amazingly Braun just shows up on, out of nowhere. And Tyrion says, I intend to serve his hand to the king until my father returns from the war, and you're going to the wall. Uh, and Braun's going to be my new lord commander of the Knights of the City's Watch, or the new commander of the City's Watch. And they drag him out of there, and Jano starts crying and bitching. Uh, oh, I've got friends, I've got friends. Yep, yep, yeah, bye, bye, bye. And they send him off to the wall. And Tyrion and Braun sit and drink, and they clink their glasses together. And if I, Tyrion asks him if I told you the infant to kill an infant girl still in her mother's breast, would you without question? And Braun says, without question? No, I'd ask how much. And it is worth mentioning that <clears throat> in the books, Braun is not made head of the City Watch. I believe it's someone called Bywater. Um, I might, I forget their first name, but it's somebody else that is, I believe one of Varys's people becomes the head of the City Watch in the books. They, they ended up giving Braun a lot more to do on the show because Jerome Flynn and Peter Dinklage have such great chemistry and the character is a very popular one. Even in the books is very popular. So they wanted to give him more stuff to do. And I honestly have no problem with any of those changes. I don't mind any of the stuff that they've changed in the, from, from show to, from book to show with brawn stuff it's uh, more brawn the better no problem ja- jackson bywater i believe thank you joe madden 
I would say that Joffrey ordered the murder of Robert's bastards and negates that. Uh, is is the worth of a king's bastard the same as a regular bastard? I think a king's bastard is probably more important. Right, the, even a lord's bastard is more important. It's a little more important. And uh, Jen asks, uh, oh, not by Melisandre. Uh, great, great point, Jen. Bywater, that's another word for pee, ain't it? Says Vaughn. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so we cut to uh, the camp, back in the camp with, with uh, the kids. We, we get kid time with Gendry gathering some water in a bucket. Lomi and Hot Pie sit there next to the river, washing things. Arya sits there, watching them, washing things as well, doing the same, kind of rolling her eyes. But Arya... Talking about knights. You know he's a knight because he had armor. We'll yeah, and I love... That. A knight? How did you know he was a knight? Because he had armor. Well, I made armor. I, I, and I love how Arya... I sold armor. Any idiot can buy an armor. Arya gets right into this here, though. She loves... Be- she opens right up. Once she knows she's not in danger and she feels good, she's, she's wonderfully adjustable. She has a... If her just as a person specifically, or maybe it could be a Stark thing... Uh, no, because Sansa's not like that, or but her direwolf's dead. But Arya, John's not like that. John's not like that either. So it's an Arya thing where Arya goes to a new place and she just adapts so well, and she knows how to adapt, and she just goes right into the balance of really what it's like to be a little to be a guy when you're a kid. Oh uh, yeah, I know knights, I know everything. No, you don't. You're an idiot. You don't know shit. And just someone going, well, I, how do you not know I'm telling the truth? Because I fucking She's doing all the guy shit without even like. She's going to gather wood. She's doing this. She's doing that. Like, she's not She's not a little girl. She's a little boy. Dean, who is fucking kicking ass with the one-liners tonight. Hot pie. I am the fork in the darkness. I am the watcher of the stove. <laughs> Hot pie is so... And I love this scene, too, LaDonna. Hot pie is is so gullible. He's, he's, he's actually really cute. He's a, he's a, and I, I think they got... I think all the actors here do... Really exceptional, exceptional jobs. I think, <clears throat> again, we talked about casting a lot earlier. They do an exceptional job with the kid actors. Nine, again, nine times out of ten. And Hot Pie, Arya, this is just, Lomi. It's just really fun interactions between them all. And uh, also with Gendry and seeing how Gendry, <laughs> Gendry's, or just watching Arya just get smitten with Gendry the whole time and get her eyes and just, and if he didn't know she was a girl already, he, he's going to know now, just the way she's looking at it. She's like, hmm, she's almost playing with her hair while she's looking at him like, oh, Gendry. Because he knows everything. He knew I was a boy. Because he's not only the toughest one, he's he also the, the smartest boy. one. And he's clearly the biggest, the best looking, and the smartest. So it's just an interesting balance. He's got that Baratheon, the Baratheon glow about him, so to speak. Looks. We barely see, get to see Rick, and so I have, uh, so I have no opinion. And Bran isn't my favorite, but I pick him over Sansa. Oh, we're talking about worst Stark. <laughs> Sansa's the worst Stark, says DB. This is uh, and uh, <laughs> not who? Yeah, who's this Rickon you're talking about? Oh, actually, he's still on the show. We're talking. We were watching right now. <laughs> Excuse me. I think him and Gendry are going to be big parts of the series as time goes on. So, uh, so we get we, it's just a fun moment with the two of them and with the three of them, and then we get an Arya and stops washing. She stands up and walks over to where Gendry is, and she goes, "Why the gold cloak? What the gold cloaks want with you? No idea." Arya's like, "You're a liar," and kind of follows him. They're, 
Again, super fucking cute. You shouldn't insult people that are bigger than you, says Gendry. Then I wouldn't get to insult anyone, says Arya. Uh, no good will ever come of questions, says Gendry. No good will ever come. Who asked questions before? Because Arya is smart as a whip. She just, like, picks this all out. How can someone so small be such a huge pain in my ass, says he. Who asked you questions? The hand of the or the hands of the king, Lord Aaron, and then Lord Stark. Lord Stark, yep. See, so asked me questions is bad luck. Blah 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 blah. And Gendry eventually goes, uh, "Why are you? What? Why you said that they were after you? Why are they after you? Because you're because you're a girl." And she's like, I, "I'm not a girl." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. You think I'm as stupid as the rest of them? Stupider. Night's Watch doesn't take girls. That's true. You're you're still a fucking girl. Well, 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 well. well no, I'm not. And I love where he puts this. There's a what is a really awful '80s movie where uh, we're called Just One of the Guys. It's so bad it's good. Johnny Lawrence from uh, Cobra Kai stars in it. And it's about a girl that goes to high school as a boy for like a journal. She, yeah, she's like for like a journalistic assignment. And I couldn't help but think of this moment where where Genji's just like, "Well, pull out your cock." John and Cryer in that movie too. I don't. I, I, it's been a long time. I don't think John Cryer's in it. It's, you're thinking of somebody else. Uh, it's it's not John Cryer. It's it's. Uh, somebody playing a John Cryer like character. Whip it out and take a piss. And uh, Arya's like, Andrew I McCarthy. No, it is isn't. It. No, it isn't Andrew McCarthy. Get, IMDb that shit while I'm while I'm talking. If you're curious, uh, <laughs> Arya says, I don't need to take a piss. Lomi and Hot Pie, and then she just changes her mind. Once she knows that it's not flying, she goes, uh, Lomi and Hot Pie can't know. No one can know. Then they won't know from me. My name's not Ari. It's Arya of House Stark. Yorin's taking me home to Winterfell. Uh, and then Gendry's like, your father, the traitor? He was never a traitor. Joffrey's a liar. And I love how she's still so pissed at Joffrey. She, this is all about her. Fuck, Joffrey is a fucking liar. So Gendry's like, you're highborn then. You're a lady. No, And then he kind of gets into this wise assery with yeah, her. Yeah, he teases her a little bit. You're a lord. He's calling you lady. I pissed in front of you. Yes. Yeah, yes, and I was so proud of that. Such a beautiful sight. I should be calling you milady. Don't call me milady. As milady commands, and she pushes him. That was very unladylike. <laughs> Such a cool scene, just really cute. Watching the two of them, I love the two of them have great chemistry, and I do hope we get to see lots more scenes with them in the future. Oh yeah. Uh, Gendry looks like a young Robert when she knocks him down. He just starts laughing. Great. When you play Game of Thrones, you die or you pie, sixteen. You die or you pie. Oh my gosh, this reminds me of Amanda Bynes' movie. She's the man. And Joe Man says I vaguely remember that that uh, just one of the guys' movie. She the best line of that whole movie is when she finally gets discovered. She runs out and she like makes out with the guy. Spoiler alert: she's discovered at the end, and she had just shown her tits to the guy she likes that she had to come oh, out. That was awesome when she she does. Yeah, and, and then and then she comes out. It's a big brouhaha, and the guy's line is, "Don't worry, guys. She's got he's got tits." tits. That was like the lot, you know, the line of the movie. Don't worry, he's got tits. So, okay, speaking of gut and tits, we cut to the Iron Islands where Theon starts sucking on the boob of, uh, of his sister. Now, the scene starts with a wide shot of a busy dock. Theon is standing in a rowboat as he comes up waiting for his ticker tape parade that never happens. <laughs> He's waiting for the, uh, the, the greeting. But no greeting comes. And eventually, Asha, I mean Yara, sorry. Some reason the show changed the Theon's sister's name. I guess to not confuse it with Osha, because they thought it sounded too similar. It's whatever. I don't. It doesn't bother me too much. But it is one of those interesting why they they didn't have to change that, but they did. So we we meet Yara here, and Yara starts 
getting into this whole thing with Theon where making Theon think that that she wants to bang him and she's interested and lets him grope her, like get all up on her and talk shit and, yeah, and just be an idiot. In the books, it's different. She's stopping him from, she's doing stopping. It. And there, and during the books, there's also like a mute that's there that knows the situation and knows that yeah. he doesn't tell her, doesn't tell him that she's his, well, sister, can't but still stops. Him still stops. It. Yeah. It still kind of plays. Uh, Kaylan says that was a really cute scene between Ari and Gendry. The young actors are really cute. Uh, Ladon's like ticker tape for it. Yeah, he she, he really wanted them. And yeah. it's not her playing; it's the dad making so he can know who he is. And Lady Squeeze said, "I think I know why they changed it. You called her Osha earlier, Phil. By the way, yeah, I did. I remember that. I said oh, it. Yeah. I said Osha, I was like Osha. Osha. Yeah, I did. I totally did. You're absolutely right." She, but she just, and again, like DB just said, she was totally owning him the whole scene. It was really yeah. quite funny. But, she, but in the moment and hearing the two actors talk about it, I think that they just got a little carried away. And one thing that's worth mentioning from things that they were saying, they said this scene took an extra long time to shoot because, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the, no, yeah, because the horse kept stopping and farting. <laughs> the horse had extremely bad gas. And the, men and horses. Yes, dead men and horses fart like shit. So then we finally get to meet Daddy. We finally get to meet Daddy. Daddy. I'm home, Daddy. I'm home, Daddy. Inside Pike, Bella and Greyjoy stands in front of a fireplace. Theon enters the room. It's a really nice interior. I love that fireplace with the cracking over it. Yep. And uh, it seems like, and I Pick might. Just the Pike itself is awesome. The castle is mm. fucking sweet. Those towers. Yeah. No, they did a they did a really good job with the sets, and they uh, and especially Pike looks really really awesome. And I guess it was right next to where they did Dragonstone because when we get into seeing the map set later on, Theon and uh, and Yara talk about how they would uh, between takes they would go over to the Stannis the Dragonstone scene and play like play play with the toys on the map. And I was like, you fucking assholes. I'm going to play with those toys on that fucking map. Pricks. So, okay, so they must have been... <laughs> Joe Madden says they must have been feeding that horse beefaroni. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Smelly, smelly. Stinky, stinky. Okay, so let us continue. He can't keep his pants on. So Balon says it's nine years. We talked a lot about this earlier. They took a frightened boy. What have they given me back? A man, your blood, and your air. Balon says we shall see. And he immediately goes into testing. He's testing how much of his son or how much Greyjoy is left in there. Do you think, Joe, do you think that Theon subconsciously went in there with the dress on and with all the garb because of self-hatred that's ingrained in him because of having to grow up with his father's enemies. Do you think he even thought for a second that he shouldn't have gone in there like that? Did he have no understanding of his people? And, I mean, we talked about this a little earlier. Do you think that Theon had any true understanding of what it is to be an Ironborn? Zero understanding. Zero understanding? All he knows is, like, lores and legends and what was told to him from... The Starks and what he's had to make it all up himself. Yeah, I, and I mean, I doubt that. And anything else that he has heard is from Master Maester Lewin, who is kind of ship shits on the grave. They're not. Even, that's the phrase. They're the. They're the. Uh, they're essentially like this outlaw island that 
like raids up and down the coast. Like that's what they do. They they fish. They ha- they pretty much have like the largest iron mines on those islands, and they raid. And that's what they do. They <laughs> raid and they raid and they raid. They torment the north. They torment the south. Anything that's on the coast. They've even gone all the way up some of those rivers inland to to attack people. And everyone says everyone says that no, he didn't even uh, didn't have an idea. It was insulting. Yeah. And to go back to the last scene just to get this, Joe, what the fuck? Everyone has to gather fucking wood and wash dishes. She just does dress like a girl and pre- and presents answers to a boy. And Sam says, well, Theon isn't the smartest individual because he proves he doesn't know basic northern history, even with a northern lord's education, i.e. the guessing game with Ramsay. DB says he's forgotten the iron ways long ago. Yeah, and I I bet I agree because I don't think he's getting any knowledge. He's somebody that just probably knows the rumors of the Ironborn is like, yeah, my dad's like totally cool. My dad was in a rock band, you know, and he just like knows the elements, but doesn't actually know what it's like to be on the road and all that sort of shit. He just has no concept of it. He just knows to him his dad's cool because his dad fought against oppression and he's a rebel. My dad was a rebel. But he does say to to, to uh, Balon in the scene, I remember when my father was a king. So uh, Lord Stark's gone, and Balon, I love the look on the actor's face when he turns around, and the first we really see of his face. And Lord Stark's gone, and how do you feel about that? Always testing. Like someone, again, we talk a lot about poker games. Like someone at a poker table asking questions, trying to get tells out of his, out of his prey. Just, so, what's going on, buddy? Uh, what do you got? What do you got over there? What's done is done. Theon says, "I brought you a proposal from Rob Stark. W- who gave you those clothes?" Ignores the proposal. Who gave you those clothes? Was it Ned Stark? Pleasure to dress you up like his daughter. <laughs> Just pushing at him, and I think in this point, waiting for Theon to strike back, trying to get anything, trying to get the reaction from Theon, any reaction, get that. Fuck you. You know where I got these? I used these fucking Starks, and you're right. I fucking you know used used your enemy and and manipulating, and I've been on the inside the whole time. You're my king. Yada yada yada. Like. The Theon, and I guess, I guess you guys are right. Everyone in the chat, and you were right too, Joe. Theon was just dumb and naive enough to think that this was all going to be work out for him. Yep, he had, he had played. He thought his importance was much more than it actually is, and that what he didn't realize is, you know, not everybody is down with Rob Stark, and he didn't even think about it. He has been with them for so long, his entire like. Like half his life, he has been with the Starks that he doesn't even know or realize that he's a prisoner. Now, the question about the Stark thing is, do you think he holds the Starks responsible or he's focusing all his anger on the Starks because they're the ones that took his son uh, or rewarding his son? Or is it because he sees them and he sees the North in this position where they're at, led by a child, in the weaker position? So he's going after the weaker... A little bit of all of it. I tend to think it's a little bit more that he's going after the weakest possible opponent rather than any specific problem he has with the Starks. It's just with everyone that isn't Iron. It's And he's looking at the Starks as the easiest targets for his attacks because they're the weakest because all the northern lords and everybody from the north is all gathered with Rob Stark heading south. So he has a lot more... The the north is less less protected, so they're easier to attack and they wouldn't be expecting it. 
Uh, DB says, this talk of Theon and Rob is making me sad. <laughs> yeah, I no problem. Uh, LaDonna says, I love the storyline in the books about the depressed mother who wanders the halls, calling for their deceased sons, and later starts coming out of the haze when Yara starts taking control. Absolutely. And we said this at the beginning of the podcast. We could go on for days about all the awesome stuff to do with the with the Ironborn. It's safe to say that even the Ironborn stuff that we get on the show at the best is whitewashed a little bit. It's very, you get the very basics of it. They don't even go into as much depth as they go into any of the other families or any of the other situations on the show. The Ironborns are, for the most part, seen as relatively two-dimensional characters comparatively to some of the other forces we see in westeros they really fuck up the entire they really do personally i think the actors do good performances with what they get but what they choose to focus on the details they choose to get it is such a deep rich history for good or for bad with the ironborns with what's going on with balon and and how he's losing power on the iron islands because the marketplaces are doing so well and they make it seem like it's trashy when theon shows up there's just little things that they fuck up with the Ironborn stuff, that's just little easy stuff that they didn't need to fuck up. That kind of mildly irritates me that I don't even really realize when I'm watching. It's more stuff that later, like, oh, this was so cool. Why didn't they go into that more? And I'm not talking about King's Moot and going all down that road. Root, I get all that. I'm just talking about simple structure of what kind of people they are. And what's going on with the power struggle in the Iron Islands and little things like you're talking about the woman, the mother crying about the dead, like just all of that. It's just it could have been someone at the wharf or at the beach. Get out of some what's drowned will never die shit. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. We shall not sow, motherfucker. All hail the hypnotic ghetto toad. Welcome, my buddy, ghetto toad. Good to see you, my friend. And, oh, buddy, buddy, buddy. So, okay. So, Balon says, or Theon goes, if my clothes offend you, I'll change them. It will, and you will, as he starts walking towards him. That bobble around your neck, did you pay for that, or did you pay the iron price or gold? And I asked the question, did you pull it from the neck of a corpse, or did you buy it, uh, Buy it to match your fine clothes, iron or gold. Does anyone's curious, the iron price is a concept in the culture of the ironborn and their local religion of the drowned god. Paying the iron price means seizing something from those one has defeated rather than paying or tr- or trading for it. Giving, giving him iron, a sword to the belly. Yep. And it's also worth mentioning that something we learned from the audio commentary was this specific scene was the scene that Alfie Allen auditioned before season one for the part of Theon. So this part was, this script was written a long time ago. So, uh, so yeah, there's that. (laughs) Thus that. We still have another hour of chatting with 20 minutes left of a show. (laughs) Okay, Lana. (laughs) Hey, Phil, don't bitch about the Iron Islands. Hope they do well with Dorn. Yeah, good point. Good point. I think there's no way they could fuck up Dorn. I mean, no way. Dorn's gonna be Dorn's gonna be really awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. So Balon reaches out and rips off the clothes of Theon's of Theon Theon's cloak, and it falls to the ground. Balon says, "I will not have my son dressed like a whore." Balon walks towards the fireplace, looks into it. My fears have come true. The Starks have made you theirs. And Theon goes, "My blood is still salt and iron." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know about that." Yeah, but your pussy smells like... Yeah, and then Yara comes in and starts going, no, uh, 
or basically Theon shows him the letter. He reads the letter that basically says, and I have the whole letter listed below. It's, and I'll get into that towards the end of the at the end of the podcast. Uh, you'll be king. You'll be king if you if you back me back me up. And uh, Balon's like, fuck you. I don't need to be king. That's that you're giving it to me. That's not the iron price. I want. I want to take it. If I'm going to be king, I'm going to take it. And Theon's like, well, I'll lead the battle. And he goes, no, you won't. Even if we did do this battle, Yara's going to lead it. And Yara comes in. He's like, See, but that's just it. Balon is such an idiot. He doesn't understand he would be taking it. It's not Rob Stark he's going to take it from. It's everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Lannisters, ultimately. Right. So Yara ends up coming in here and giving Theon the what? Yes, yes, and he immediately immediately realizes it's his sister once once uh, she's next to Balon. So he didn't get it before, but maybe he looked at her for the very first time. I don't know. So so he goes. She can't lead the army. She's a woman, and Yara's like, "You're the one in skirts." <laughs> and Balon says, "This isn't Winterfell, boy. Your sister took over command of your eldest brother's ship after your new father killed him." And as all three go, what is dead may never die. And I love how Theon joins in late. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, what's dead never die. So Balon says, no man gives me a crown. I pay the iron price. I will take my crown. That's who I am. That's who I'll always be. As Balon walks away with Yara Fong. We will always be. We will always be. Theon says, you won't stand a chance against the Lannisters. And Balon we says, Balon says, who said anything about the Lannisters? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so we so we get into there's lots more detail about this situation in the books, but again, we we whitewash the we'll get more into the Ironborn and I'm, this is probably our biggest Ironborn season to date. So we're going to get into a lot more Ironborn stuff. So, let us continue as we go over to dun dun dun, dun Dragonstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we go to Dragonstone. Give yourself to the Lord of Light by fucking me. First, we see the Davos in the. But wait before we get there, Joe, hold it, because I know you're going to fucking explode with that shit. So Davos and Salador Sand walking on the beach, and we get Mathos, Davos's kid. And this is a real fun scene between Davos and, and Salador Sand, who he's trying to get to join Stannis' army. Ultimately, ultimately, he gets him. It's just a great visual scene. I and, haven't had you suck my cock yet, boy. <laughs> yes. Ultimately leads up to Davos saying, you want to spend your last few years at sea stealing from uh, cheesemongers, or do you want to go out there and do get the best city, the richest city, or the greatest city of all Westeros? And Salador San says, you know, I'll do this, but I want to fuck the queen. Fuck the queen? You're going to rape her? No, I'm not going to rape her. I'm going to fuck her. I'm very persuasive. <laughs> yep. I want to fuck this blonde queen. And then we also get the vibe here that Mathos, Davos's son, is really drinking the Red, red God's Kool-Aid and trying to convince or trying to teach Davos how to read because if so he can, can read the Bible of the Red God. Exactly. And that's the only, only reason. LaDonna says, I hope Salador Sand gets to fuck Cersei. <laughs> I think we all do. I think we can all... Uh, we could, we're all hoping that that those two uh, those we're two on that wagon. yeah I hope those two crazy kids <laughs> kids find each other in this wacky world. Okay, so ultimately, there's not too much to the scene except for it is again I can't say enough how visually beautiful it is shot against the beach right on the sand and Davos's son's kind of a dickweed that I that honestly this was I remembered remembered this scene but I totally forgot about Davos's son. 
I had I had virtually had no memory for memory of him for going back in a rewatch. I was like, oh, these are like. As far as I'm concerned, they could have taken out anything with Davis' son and, and given us more shit with uh, the, the Greyjoys. Yeah, good point. It's almost wasted time because, but they're they're setting us up for something with him. I'm sure they made uh, Vince says they made Davos an atheist in the book. He was a believer in the Seven. Sam says, like for real, I don't remember if he was in the Blackwater. Al says, let's hope they can get together. Ladoz Louis says, Sam, he is. He's the bath scene with the same girl Arya sells off oysters to in uh, in uh, Bravos. Yes, he is. he does come back. So. <clears throat> Okay, so ultimately that scene. Anything else you want to say about the Davos and Mathos and Salvador Sand scene? Ultimately, the outcome for that is Davos gets him to uh, take his 30 ships, I believe it is, to fight on Stannis' side to attack King's Landing. So, uh, we continue. Davos, uh, we cut to King's Landing, and we are in uh, Tyrion's room, and we get Tyrion sitting at a table with a cup of wine that Cersei places in front of him. Uh, pissed, yelling at him about the Janos-Slint situation. And, <laughs> and I just love how obstinate Cersei is. You can just tell how much fun the two of them have acting. You serve as hand of the king until father gets here. I'm the queen regent. Listen to me, queen regent. You're losing the people. Do you hear me? And she just goes... Haha, the people. You think I care? Yeah, you'll care when when they start starving and they decide to eat you. <laughs> and then we get into the whole thing where he starts pushing that we get we could could get the vibe that this was all Joffrey's Pam because because Cersei never admits to Tyrion that she's the one that ordered the killing of the kids. You might find it difficult to rule over millions who want you dead. Half the city will starve when winter comes. The other half will plot to overthrow you. Well, it's you- the same. It's the same thing that. Uh... It's the it's the exact same reaction she has when he confronts her about Ned Stark. Yeah, ultimately she just has she's just completely obstinate. And my the the top off of the scene that I really love is uh, she goes, Joffrey did what needed to be done. You want to be hand of the king? You want to rule? This is what ruling is: lying on a bed of weeds, ripping them out root by one root till they strangle you in your sleep. Tyrion says, I'm no king, but I think there's more to ruling than that. And Cersei says, I don't care what you think. You've never taken it seriously. You haven't, and Jamie hasn't. As she sits down, it's fallen all on me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, all on you. You're just such a fucking egocentric little motherfucker that you let make everything. You're one of those people that you think that your your shit doesn't stink, so you think that you're out there on that limb, a little hamlet, no one understands my pain. When fuck you, Cersei. I understand what you're saying, that G- that Tyrion's always been a drunk, and Jaime never wanted to get into command. He was a warrior, so to speak, and has his own sense of honor. But the way she acts about it, she's just so douchey. And and Tyrion says, as <laughs> Cersei goes, I don't care what you think. You've never taken it seriously. You haven't. Jaime hasn't. It's fallen on me. And Tyrion's response... Right on cue is, as as Jamie repeatedly, according to Stannis Baratheon. And this is where she turns fucking evil. Yeah, she turns super evil. And she says, uh, someone says, the Onion Knight deserves more credit, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. She says, you're funny. <laughs> funny, funny. <laughs> You've always been funny. But you none of your moment was. But none of your jokes will ever match the first one. You remember? Back when you ripped my mother open and she bled to death. As Tyrion says, she was my mother too. Now they're gone for the sake of you. There's no bigger joke in the world than that. And as you said earlier, Joe, Tyrion is super hurt. Yep. 
and this is where you really feel how much she hates him. Just can't. Yeah, just so much rage built up within her and so much frustration, partially wrapped into the Maggie the Frog prophecy and partly wrapped into everything and all the blame that she has. I don't even think I think Tywin hates him for more for being an imp than for killing his wife. I think even Tywin doesn't quite can't quite hate him completely for that. I think he does. That's part of it. I still have. I still, with as much more to this story than we know, I'm still in the boat that <coughs> he might not be Tywin's son. Yeah, that's my conspiracy theory right there. I think maybe the Mad King. There was something between him and the Mad King where he left as hand of the king before the rebellion. I think that maybe uh, this was something like they grew up together. Mm-hmm. No, it's it is worth. It, we're gonna get into that more as time goes on. And to uh, Ghetto Toad says he's a huge uh, Davos fan, and Ren put some really awesome Davos quotes in the chat. I really like Davos as well. I. I like him more as time goes on. I don't like his son, and 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 uh, and yeah. But I, I like Davos a lot as well. He's one of he's one of my uh, on my top or top tier characters. I love the actor's portrayal of him specifically. I like I think I like the actor's portrayal more than I and I like how he puts himself on in the line and will eventually get to a point that he might think Stannis is God, as he says in that scene. Stannis is my God, but he'll still disagree with him when he thinks he's wrong. And that that is important. Okay, it's <laughs> everyone's like it's almost two hours past bedtime. We're still going. Have a good night, Lady Squee. Thank you so much for checking us out tonight. It's been really awesome to be able to have you live, live. And if you have not checking us out live, you're listening to the podcast, audio cast, or watching this video later. Join us live. Check out the channel. Subscribe, and you'll see little little reminders notifications when we go live or you can check on the channel to see when i create the events and i like to create the events a couple days early or about a week early so you'll know when different shows are coming up so and we're these game of thrones podcasts will be on saturdays and on sundays between now and the beginning of or the beginning of february the second week in february then we'll find another home for them <laughs> yeah joe disappeared joe said bye bye i'm out of here motherfucker so we cut back to Dragonstone, and I mentioned this before, but the set for Dragonstone is right next to where Pike was, and during the DVD commentaries, they're talking a lot about how they were playing with the toy map of Dragonstone. So we see Davos moving some ships around the model map of, of Westeros, and Mathos is looking on. Stannis enters with Melisandre, and Davos says, Your Grace, Your Grace, and we... We find out he tells Stannis about the pirate situation and that, excuse me, he's got the 30 ships and that his men know how to fight. Stannis doesn't give a lot of respect, but knows uh, that we'll respect these guys and pay them the money if they do the job. And Davos and him, they go back and forth, and he talks about how this guy's an old friend and I've known him for 30 years. I've never trusted him, but if he gets the smell of gold, he'll never stop. So Stannis says, well, if he does his job, he will get his money. And then he says to Davos, leave us. As Davos leaves and Melisandre and Stannis have their scene that I'm going to... As Joe's coming back. Oh, let's, oh, let's get this out of the way. So this gets... 
she goes, you're not truly embracing the Lord of the Light. He, she also mentions that she says some stuff about Selyse. Selyse is uh, not really a person. You know, mentions all these bad things about Selyse. She's she's hiding away. I forget exactly what she says. Also says she doesn't have any kids. Uh, and I, they said in the DVD commentary or I read somewhere that Air. initially – no heirs, but they also didn't know if they were going to include his his any of Shireen in the show yet. And at this point, so they kept it specifically vague, so that they could put her in later if they wanted to. But which they ultimately decided to, but they weren't sure at the time if they were going to include Shireen. So how can you, how can you not give us what you gave us in season six? And it's worth it to point out too that this scene will only become okay in my mind if it happens if she does this to him in the like next book that's coming out Mm -hmm. if she kind of throws this at him then if like if george martin was eventually going to be like no i hear you i hear because in the books for whatever it's worth i know it's something that really bothers you joe because in the books it's never quite said exactly that he sleeps with melisandre it's said that they sleep in the same bed it's talked about that they share a bed but sex is never talked about it's, it's specifically vague and they take it, like well, it comes to a point where she tries to seduce him but he says no i'm a married man yeah he, he like re- rebuffs like the attempt multiple times <laughs> like we actually get that in the book so and uh, people are so so. Joe, what do you think this does? Does this bother you about what the, what this does to the Stannis character? How does this make you feel about what it does to Stannis as a character? God, it completely changes character. It takes away like he's supposed to be honorable beyond beyond Rob Stark even, like honorable to a fault. Which is why uh, Renly talks about you know nobody likes you. Yeah, you're you're honorable, but you know you don't have any friends because you see the flaws and everything everybody else does because. You know, you have this remarkable sense of what's right and what's wrong and all this bullshit that this alone really deeply changes his character. Joe, round and round it goes. Round and round the motherfucker goes. Yeah, no, I hear you, Joe. And I just don't like this Melisandre one fucking bit. (laughs) I think the actor's the most disappointing character change. This, along with what they do to Sam, really kind of hurt me so ju- um, so uh, I, I i get over it because you know technically this is it's based on his book it is his book someone so asks so joe a lot, a lot of changes so joe where do shadow babies come from joe exactly, do they, do they right. come from the shadow stork does the shadow stork bring them down they come from the shadowlands of beyond the shy oh my gosh so yes so I love Stannis in the scene too. I I bur- I've said the damn words. I burnt the idols, like just angry, frustrated. What the fuck? I fuck this burning red pussy yet. Get Stannis. Get on in, and they bang right there on the map. And I was just thinking, don't fuck up the map. That's such a pretty map. So uh, I love that table. Al Red Sox fan says they ruined Stannis. <laughs> if I was ever gonna buy a movie or TV prop. It's either that table or the Sons of Anarchy table. LaDonna says, Stannis wouldn't talk about sex, so George R. R. Martin didn't overtly say it. She's like 300 years old per... <laughs> oh, gosh. I've uh, posted th- uh, that theory long before the chats about Jamie Cersei being the real Mad King's kid. Yeah, a couple people have suggested, Joe, that not Tyrion is the Mad King's kids that, that uh, Jamie and Cersei are. No, I believe they are actually... Uh, 
Tywin's kids, I believe. See, the only problem I have with the Tyrion being is, and I know this gets said a lot, but I, I can't say that. I, I don't think it messes it up completely, but I like the arc of Tywin and Tyrion better if they are blood related. And I know they're blood related either way because he's because Tywin's blood related to his to his wife anyway. But am, am I wrong? Isn't there isn't there like dwarfism in the Targaryen line somewhere? Um, I would have to I do, I would have to re look at my uh, let me move so you can see all my my books behind me. Wait, wait, can see? I would have to go look at the world of ice and fire. I don't. I'm not positive about that. So uh, so let's continue. Uh, anything else you want to say about our Stannis and Melisandre bullshit, Joe? Uh, she's got really nice boobs. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she, she's uh, she doesn't she doesn't hesitate to take take off those clothes. So listen, though, we love Mel. She can she can help me, man. Yeah, the red woman is kind of important right now, guys. As as people know, the red woman, we need we need that red woman for some other things going on. Okay, so let's cut to our final scene of the episode, which is Craster's Keep behind beyond the wall. John is sitting by a fire. He hears a noise, looks behind himself. He sees Craster walking away from the camp of the baby. John gets up and he follows Craster and he investigates. He walks into the woods. He begins to hear strange noises. And then he hear, hides when he sees Craster walking by without the baby. When Craster is out of sight, he runs into action. We get sort of action music as John sort of follows out to where the baby is in the direction of which Craster came from. Oh no, there are no dwarves. He sees a he sees a little figure lean down, a dark figure lean down, and pick up a baby. And just as he's sort of eyeballing the situation from behind him, Craster slams down and knocks his ass out. End of episode. Holy wow. shit. And just to mention this, as we talked about earlier in in the book. John doesn't actually see this with his own eyes. Gilly actually does tell him what happens to the male babies. I like this change a lot. I like that we see this, and it's part of set the setup of Jon Snow. And I like that they visually showed this to us Me rather too. than just tell us. Me too. Yes. And oh my God, we thought Jon Snow was dead here, as Vince says the first time we saw this. It was it was really awesome. It was really. Oh, yeah, see that baby again. Maybe we do, Joe. Maybe we do. And that is the end of our episode. Joe, what did you think about this episode all in all? Another fun episode of Game of Thrones. And it was really fun. I loved it. I think it's it was a great episode. Um, I forgot how good season two is. Like you were saying, it's, it's, my, it's one of my least watched seasons aside from season five so far. Mm. It's not because I just don't like it. There's just so many times I've started season one over and over again just to watch those first couple of episodes, especially the original one. So let's get to a couple fun facts before we call it an evening here. The title refers to the Nightlands, the land of the dead in the Dothraki religion. Eri is devastated that Ricaro is not going to the Nightlands because his body was mutilated by his killers without being burned. Yes. Now, Tyrion's removal of Janos Slint is not entirely of his own initiative. In the books, his father Tywin considered it as one of Cersei's many follies that she handed out drastically disproportionate reward of a seat on the small council to the lordship of Harrenhal to a low-born and infamously corrupt man like Janos. Thus, Cersei can't overturn the decision to remove him because Tyrion had explicit orders from Tywin to do so, which also berated Cersei for elevating Janos in the first place. However, it was Tyrion's decision to not only strip him of title but exile 
to a wall because he felt he was questionable loyalty and because he was disgusted that Janice was a baby killer. Uh, screenshot of Rob Stark's letter in the Balon Greyjoy, which was sent to Theon, is this. House Greyjoy, Lord of the dot, 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 years ago our houses fought as enemies. Unite them against a greater foe. Your son has proven himself a formidable warrior and friend of House Stark. Give him command of your fleet to crush the Lannisters, and I will give you independence you sought for nine years ago. See, uh, that was Rob's mistake. He should have said, and you will take back the independence you sought forth. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. He worded it all incorrectly. And writer of the episode, Brian Cogman, explains that the production team wasn't sure in season two if they would eventually be able to include Stannis' daughter, Shireen, in the TV series. This is considerable amount of thought actually went into Melisandre's line in the episode that Stannis has no sons because they wanted to leave their options open to later say that he does have a daughter. And as it turned out, she was introduced in season three. Uh, yeah, no, to leave her out of the show would have been immensely bad yeah it would have been it would have been i agree with you joe and uh the quote was at this point we honestly didn't know if we would include shireen or not we never knew how many characters the show could handle so we sometimes hedge our bets one way or another so we made it clear that salise had given stannis no sons leaving the door open for shireen if we needed her and see that's one of the things that that's not in the books as of written yet is you know stannis has refused over and over and over again even we even see it in season six to ever do anything bad to his daughter for the lord of light Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I just realized something. Uh, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm saying it now out loud because I'm just realizing uh, if anyone has uh, saw the event that I, cha- that I set up for the, uh, the Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, someone said something in the chat, so it made me Deep realize Space this. Nine. Deep Space Nine review. I'm going to have to change that. I have to touch base with Mark and change that because I'm going to see Star Wars that movie. I mean, maybe we can still do it. I'm going to see Star Wars at like 10 o'clock, but I might change it with them to do it on a different day because of uh, because of Star Wars that night, and I'm going to see one of the early showings, and then doing a review afterwards. But that the date of that might end up being changed. I know a couple of you might be checking that checking that out. I got to talk to uh, talk to Mark about that. So so okay. So a couple, we talked about a lot of the differences in the books between the show and what chapters and stuff like that. Uh, the episode refers to the title, according to the novels. Uh, Rakiru nor any of Daenerys' blood riders were killed. So far, all three of them are alive and well. In the novels, it's only implied that Stannis had sexual intercourse with Melisandre. While on the show, it's only it's openly depicted. According to the novel, it was not Bronn, but Sir J- uh, Jacqueline Ironhand, who Bywater, who replaced Jeno Slint. Littlefinger never has a conversation with a whore about the slaying of Robert's newborn bastards. In fact, Roz is never even a named character. Yara is named Asha. A later Yara, pretending to be Eskrid, does guide Theon through Pike, but she's not in Pike when Theon arrives. It's Theon's uncle that's there. And the gold cloaks that attempt to arrest Gendry are met at an inn in the novels. Arya does not reveal her identity to Gendry until much later in the novels. They meet where Varys reveals that she knows Shay's identity. Later on, the warning that Jorah Mormont sent to King's Landing is not only a letter, but also a white's uh, severed hand in a jar. In the books, Bronn is not made commander of the Night's Watch. We talked about that. Salador Sam was recruited along before in the books. Sir Davos has uh, seven sons in the books. Dale, Allard, Mathos, Merrick, Devin, Stannis, Stefan. dead, though, aren't they? Yes, he only has one in the show. In the show, Mathos is shown being King Stannis' scribe. In the book, younger sibling Devin is Stannis' squire. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but I think that's a good point to end. Everybody have a good night. It's so great of all of you to join us. 
I think this is a good place to cut off. Peace. Everybody, thank you so much. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. We'll be back very soon to talk about episode three of season two. And we're going to try to move briskly through these season two episodes, Joe. Try to get through season two. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you have any questions, you can email me. Eight more. I know. We're we're very, very close. Eight more. Everybody, thank you so much in the chat for being really awesome tonight. If you guys have any questions, please email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at igotissuesman. Follow Joe at DirtyLocks. If any of you guys have any requests for Game of Thrones theory videos or character profile type stuff, please you can request it in the comment section of this video or please, even better yet, send me an email message. I'd love to do some of those silly videos like I do in front of the green screen type stuff, but do some Game of Thrones theory stuff. But I never know what to do it on so if anyone has any ideas or anything they want me to do something on please give me some requests and i will get that done anyways joe i will talk to you next time buddy have a good night you too bro good night everybody love you guys in the chat